This program contains adult content. Is there a God? A big atheist. Really? What, am I an idiot? Come on. But yes, it would be nice if you could throw your sins and your responsibilities on someone else. But it's not true. It looks like far-left lunacy. I don't believe that it's true that religion is moral or ethical. You don't need to follow anybody! It's not human intelligence! If someone doesn't value logical consistency, what logical argument are you going to give them that will demonstrate that they should? Hello and welcome to the Godless Revolution. Today is Wednesday, October 10th. This is episode 223. I'm getting more fuzzy all the time, but yeah. now Sean has the much larger beard in studio. <laughs> yep. Yes. <laughs> I feel very honored. <laughs> uh, I'm Dan Ellis, one of the co-hosts of the show, joined in studio by Ron Duffy. I'm here Ron. again this week. Ron Duffy. Ryan. Yeah. R- Ryan. That was that was my little southern twang oh. a little bit. Uh, Ryan and Mr. <laughs> Mr. Matt Mitchell. I am here. <laughs> and we have in studio with us Mr. Sean McCraney. Yes. Great to be here. Very excited to have you in studio with us, man. I'm, Thanks, Dan. I've been really looking forward to doing this show with you. I have, too. So ordinarily, we start out the show with like what we've done over the last week and everything. I just want to skip all of that and get right into talking to you because I have I have here prepared a list of <laughs> oh boy, don't be worried. <laughs> I, I have I have a list of thirty four primary questions and then there are sub questions within there, and I'm sure we'll touch maybe five or yeah, six yeah, in total. Yeah. So whatever um, it is, <laughs> but so I wanted to get right into this. So tell us a little bit about yourself. To okay. start out with, like, what are you, what are you, what are you doing now these days? Introduce us. If, if you were to just meet us on the street and say, I'm Sean McCraney, this is what I do. What would you say? I'd say, uh, I run a small, never denominational church with a, uh, a streaming weekly, couple streaming shows to, uh, people we are seeking truth about God from a biblical perspective that resist tradition, resist organized religion, um, and the, with the focus of being to love everybody, no matter what their beliefs are, which is why I, uh, have love for Dan, Ron, and Matt automatically. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your early life. So I, I, I still haven't done a whole lot of research on you because I didn't want anything to taint, taint. Like my that. view of anything. I just, I want to know what you think from you and why. So, uh, tell us a little bit about your early life. I know that you, like initially I thought that you must have been born and raised here in Utah, but that's apparently not the case. No, no. Uh, born in Southern California, uh, parents from Southern California, grandparents from LA. And, uh, my parents joined the Mormon church, uh, before I was born, converted. I was raised in it. I was rebellious, loved the dances, loved the Mormon good looking girls. <laughs> uh, got this fellowship when I was 18 for sexual immorality. Oh no. Uh, they wanted to excommunicate communicate me, but my mom uh, threatened them that if they did, she would walk with the whole family. So I mm. saw politics at play right then and there. <laughs> I only deserved disfellowshipment. Went on a Mormon mission, 
Pennsylvania, came back, married my wife sitting here uh, in the L.A. temple, raised three daughters, and just started to kind of deconstruct. Uh, love punk music, still love punk music. I'm sold out punk and 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 metal, and uh, that's just my makeup. I wouldn't have guessed that by looking at you. Nah, yeah, I know. <laughs> I have the missionary look. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, I just, uh, I'm just a seeker. I was always seeking, and uh, I really became kind of a nihilist. Uh, when I was a Mormon, I was in positions, but I was still just pretty godless. And I was, you know, uh, going out on my wife and uh, taking hydrocodone uh, after, you know, priesthood. And I was just kind of oh, really, uh, can I say, can I swear on this? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I was pretty fucked up as a human being. And I just didn't. I couldn't get it with the whole Mormon thing. I, I just really tried, but it just didn't work. So I had a roadside experience. I'll go into it if you want for uh, whatever. But I had a roadside experience that changed my life, and I came to understand God in a different way. And that launched me from being a stockbroker for 13 years to uh, leaving Mormonism, leaving that, and just going into uh, ministry. So there's the nutshell. Can I ask bef- before we jump into that? What, yeah. what, what was it? Cause I think we can find a lot of common ground. Cause I was raised in the, the LDS church. So was Dan. Mm-hmm. What, what things you found that weren't working for you with the reasons you split? Uh, what, I know th- there's going to be a ton of reasons. Yeah. Now, but yeah. Mainly their structure of, uh, what I needed to do and what I needed to be did not change my heart. I outwardly could conform, but inwardly I was just a fucker. And I, I mean, bottom line, that's what I was. And I didn't like it. I don't like the hypocrisy. I can either be a fucker or I can not be, and I couldn't not be. So I couldn't be Mormon anymore. It was really an inconsistency between who I was interior and what they expected of me on the exterior. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. How about you? Uh, I just, I, I always struggle. I mean, I, I struggled with the Jesus story, but I really mm. could never get on board with the Joseph Smith story. Oh. That that just never made sense to me. I mean, uh-huh. there's just too many issues right from the beginning with, yeah. you know, all of his uh, witchcraft and mm-hmm. occultism and everything else. So aside from, from not being able to be, I don't know, a, a faithful, true believing, very pious uh, LDS boy, mm-hmm. were there any points of doctrine or scripture that you had issue with or not? A, not originally. I wasn't a real thinker. I wasn't at all uh, articulate at that age. I was just more of, you know, Spicoli. I really was. <laughs> and I've grown into some Sur- Southern California surfer. Uh, that's what I was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's no, uh, it's not an exaggeration. And so where like Matt, you probably were thinking more and you're like, you know, Jesus, uh, Joseph, come on. I, I bought the story. I, oh. I thought, yeah, but it just didn't have any application for yeah. me. Yeah. Well, the Mormon culture in Southern California is way different than the Mormon culture here in it Utah. Is. It is. Yeah. And the Mormon culture in Salt Lake is different from in Orem where I live. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I've, I've already gotten off my little prepared thing <laughs> yeah, here, but yeah. I wanted, so, so right out of the gate too, I wanted to say, or close to the gate now that we're well past <laughs> it, but the 50 yard line. So, yeah. so there's, so there's four of us on the mics right now. I want to make sure that. You know, we don't interrupt each other too much, try to keep that to a minimum. And I understand that you're 
you're here walking into the lion's den. You know, there's three atheists here. You're the lone Christian guy here. And so we're going to try to not beat up on you too badly. Thanks. And, and, and I'm hoping this is just a, uh, amiable, friendly discussion about what you believe and why and how yeah. you came to believe those things. But I do want you to throw, uh, your hardest stuff and, and you can be critical of the beliefs because I don't think you're critical of me. I can take criticism of the beliefs. You can mock God and, and whatever you want because, you know, you have that right. And, and you know, if you can't freely express it, how will I ever know what you really think? Mm-hmm. So I don't <laughs> think you're ever going to attack me. I, so I understand. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Well, and that, that's funny. You said we can mock God and whatever. When, uh, when American atheists had their convention here in Salt Lake, I organized a uh, uh, mass resignation from the LDS church ahead of the, ahead of the American atheists conference or convention here. Mm. And we're walking around, you know, we do our little thing at, at the park and uh, we had Dave Silverman give a speech. You know, I spoke for a little while. Dave Silverman gave a speech and then we marched around Temple Square and then had everybody deposit their resignation letters in a, mailbox just up the road but as we're walking around temple square there there were some wild things that happened first they had a bunch of uh lds people lining both sides of the sidewalk on on one particular stretch and they were singing hymns and praying for us they made they made what they called a love corridor that we had to walk through as we're going around (laughs) temple square and it i mean it was it was it was kind of funny but also kind of heartbreaking like some of the some of the women standing in line singing and praying we're just in tears that, yeah. you know, all of these people that are walking around are going to be leaving the church. And she was just so distraught. But we get to, we get to one corner and I don't, I don't know if you've seen this guy out there, but he's whenever, you know, whenever general conference is going on or there's something happening downtown, this guy stands on the corner and he's got this big sheep's horn or ram's horn that he blows. And so he sees this big group of people marching and we've all got our signs and everything, you know, leaving the, leaving the LDS religion and leaving the LDS church. And so we, we get up to where he is and he's all excited initially. He's like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys are leaving the LDS church. Yeah. Because it's total bullshit. And I'm glad that you guys finally know that. And then he sees that some of us are wearing like atheist shirts and yeah. stuff like that. And he's like, Oh wait. Wait, no, no, you guys are atheists. No, God will not be mocked. God will not be mocked. He starts screaming at us and blowing his horn. He's like, you're all going to burn in hell and God will not be mocked. And we're like, we, oh, yeah. we kind of mock him like every day. That's, that's kind of our thing. Wow. Yeah. It was just wild. Like he was all on board with us leaving the church. Then he's like, oh, no, wait, no, you're the wrong kind of people who leave the church. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> um. So what was this roadside experience that you had? Well, I was, uh, driving. I was pretty, uh, messed up and, uh, I, I just happened to turn on a radio. A guy named Charles Stanley asked a question. He said, if you could get yourself right before God, why haven't you done it? That was the question. And because I had been LDS and done the mission, the temple marriage and everything, and, and I had really tried. And so I listened to what he said. And he said, the reason you haven't done it is because you can't do it. It's impossible. And I hadn't heard that message before. So I listened to him. And uh, in the end, he just said, hey, you know, ask God to come into your life and turn yourself uh, over to Jesus and let him step in and become the Lord of your life. And and so I did it. And nothing happened. And I went and picked my daughters up from a gymnastics practice. But by the end of that day, I had miraculously had a change of heart. And you know, uh, there's all sorts of responses as to what that is. William James wrote a book, book on religious uh, variations where Muslims and 
Hindus and Buddhists and Christians all have born again experiences. So it's not endemic to Christianity, but all I can say is that it changed me from the inside. And from that point forward, I still have great moments of, uh, fuckery, but, uh, I, um, I, <laughs> I do have an overall, um, love for people that I didn't have before. So because of that, that is what's motivated me to do what I do and why I kind of stand on it, uh, regardless of whether people agree or not. So are your parents still in the church? They are they are. still around? Yeah. 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 Most siblings still in, uh, most active or three, two or three active mom active. Dad's an atheist though. You, oh yeah. You'd like him. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> he, he left the Mormon church and he, he says he is, I, I don't know, but. He goes back and forth, yeah. Goes back and forth on whether he's yeah, an atheist or not. Yeah, it depends on how he's feeling that day. But his <laughs> lumbago, he starts talking about God, but no, I, I don't know about him. And how how are they – well, how did your – so your mother's still in the church. Yeah. That's got to be rough on her knowing that without your father, she'll never make it to the celestial kingdom. Yeah, yeah. It troubled her, but, uh, you know, she's more li a liberal Mormon, mm -hmm. and that probably had an effect on me too. She – doesn't really do the Joseph Smith thing like Matt was talking about. And so she was just more, it's good for the family. You know, don't take this too seriously, but she uses it to her advantage. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Well, I think most people do. Yeah. You know, they, they, they take what suits them and kind of disregard yeah. a lot of the rest. Yeah. More of a cultural and social group. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I've mentioned it on the show a few times. My very, my very pious, very true believing LDS grandmother. If she's not in church on Sunday, it's because she's in Wendover gambling. So. <laughs> That's awesome. But she still won't drink coffee. Yeah. She did oh. for a little while, but she won't drink coffee anymore. But she'll she'll still go to Wendover and do some gambling. Isn't it fascinating? Oh, It's yeah. just fascinating where you'll draw your lines, you know? Yeah. Well, and it, you know, I'm sure she in her own mind thinks, well, this is, you know, I'm not hurting anybody. I'm, I'm entertaining myself. And, you know, I, I have a fun time doing this and. What's the harm here? And yeah. it's like, well, sure. But then what's the harm with premarital sex? That's a consenting thing yeah. between two adults, usually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, be. drinking coffee. Well, that's just purely your own decision. Yeah. So I don't know. That, it's, it's weird how people draw some of those lines to me. It is. So it's like when I was at BYU, I remember working at a department store and there was a couple there and they had attended the temple and they were wearing garments and you made a covenant not to have sexual intercourse, but they felt anal sex was okay. <laughs> so it's the poop hole loophole. <laughs> the poop hole loophole. I knew I'd get some new phrases. Is if I walked into this <laughs> den of iniquity. <laughs> and so they practiced the poopo loophole. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's all kinds of tricks at BYU yeah. around it. Exactly. Yeah. Soaking, floating. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, we could probably yeah. spend a whole hour on stuff we've heard. <laughs> Bagpiping. Bag. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. go here. Oh. Right in the armpit area. Yeah. <laughs> Mary, don't uh, get me ideas. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting older, man. I can't keep up with all this stuff. <laughs> So, so how how did the rest of your immediate family take you leaving Not the church? Well. Were they were they all very into the church? Yeah, I had a brother who uh, he died, uh, he committed suicide before this happened. So, mm -hmm. but my younger brother is the consummate uh, LDS keeper of the law, and it's always been tough ever since with him. Yeah, it's, we try, but it's just brutal. Yeah, so he really was affected most. Yeah, yeah. um, so you. You had this roadside experience. 
was it an immediate thing? Like you just took your garments off, said, I'm done. I'm going to start my own church, do, do my own thing. How did, how did, how did you go from being in the LDS church and then having this roadside experience to, well, now I'm going to start a church. You know, I stay, I decided I didn't, I didn't think any of the other religions were true. And I had been tainted against, you know, like Christianity from the temple film and stuff. I just knew I had come to discover God in a different way. I thought other Mormons had too. So I started writing a book and I wrote a book called Born Again Mormon. And, uh, that's what launched, uh, me. Somebody up here heard about it. I got an invitation. I didn't have a. A desire to start a church or anything else. I just wrote that book and I got invited to be on a, a television show here in town. I flew up here. I did the show and the show usually had three calls and we had like 112. Oh, and, wow. and the owner of the station said, uh, after a week, do you want your own show? And yeah. so we, uh, you know, we hadn't done TV or anything, but we said, sure. And so that's what started the whole ministry is mm. that I started flying up here every week doing the show. Was that, was that 1.0? Uh, that was <laughs> 1.0. Good job, Rod. <laughs> yeah. And 1.0s are still out there. There's like 600 or 400 of them, and people watch them all over the world and still write about Mormonism. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, wow. So So what – oh, go ahead. Sorry. I just want to nip this real quick. So when when we introduced ourselves – I was making fun of Dan, and I was calling him Ron because of the way he said it, but his name's actually Ryan, oh, yeah. just so you know. Oh, yeah, Ryan! So I, yeah. I'm so oh, sorry. No, I am sorry. It was totally you're my fine. fault. It was the way that oh. I it was the way that I said it right at the well, beginning. I, I kicked I it all off about by it. calling you Ron. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan. And I'm yeah. just too nice. I just go, okay, you can call me Ron. <laughs> but Dan didn't even that's seem to care name, one no. way or the other. He probably didn't notice. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, well. See, that's how much they care about me He's not calling me Dawn, so as long as I move these buttons in the right direction, that's all they care about. Uh, well, he's not calling me Don, and I'm sure Ryan won't care if, if he's called Ron. Uh, Ryan, He'll just I'm accept that as his that. new name. Well, mostly I go by Duffy, but we just kind of call me by my first name on here. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Duffy Anyways, is what sorry. your friends call you? Well, I was military, so we always went by our last uh, name. So when people usually say Ryan in a crowd, I don't respond. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So you you started a ministry. Well, and now that we're talking about the 1.0 versus 2.0, I was wondering about that also. So you you currently do a show called Heart of the Matter 2.0. What was 1.0 and what's the difference between the two? 1.0 went from March of 2006 to uh, the first week of 2013. It was weekly. It was live. It went throughout the state, a full power television station. It was live call-in. Oh, wow. And the topic was all Mormonism versus what I thought was biblical Christianity. And uh, it was very combative and it was highly entertaining when the LDS people would call in thinking... I've got the zinger to get this guy, you know? Uh, so that really, I mean, we were getting, you know, tens, 10,000 emails a week. Oh, wow. And someone overseas decided to put those things on something called the internet with YouTube. <laughs> and that's how we got legs. Well, in uh, December of 2012, I went around to the Christian churches with my wife to see what they were all about. We hadn't visited them. We didn't really attend a Christian church. And it was such a freaking show and such bullshit that we did a show on the 1st of uh, January in 2013 and said, 
we're not picking on the Mormons anymore. We're going to give <laughs> the Christian churches the same amount of attention that we've given Mormonism. And within five days, Greg Johnson, who's running for the House seat, I think now in the state, uh, had me off the air, oh. uh, led all the evangelicals <laughs> in a march to get me right off. Oh. Yeah. So the Mormons, they let me on, they let me stay for seven full years yeah. attacking them. One week of attacking the Christians, you're gone. Boom. So how did? Well, how does that happen? I mean, how does he control your? Or or was it? It wasn't your television. No, it's not my station. Okay. Yeah, the station was owned by evangelical Christians. Mm. Oh. And when they heard, so they're totally, totally happy with you picking on the LDS church. Totally. Hmm. Yeah, man. I I see that shit as an atheist all the time. Like, especially to a lot of my friends and acquaintances that I've that I've known for years and years, like. As long as I'm picking on the LDS church, everything is fair game. Oh, yeah, Mormons are stupid and what they believe is crazy and weird. And yep. yeah, it's a cult and blah, blah, blah. And then I'll say, oh, yeah, and the Catholic church is bullshit, too, because of this. And I was like, hey, wait a minute. Now. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't talk about the Catholic church like that. We <laughs> yeah. can't be friends anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Just rank hypocrisy. Like, oh, yeah, you know, religion is stupid if, if it's a Mormon religion. But if it's yeah. some if it's something I believe, then I don't want you to say anything bad about yeah. it. Yeah. And and. Mormonism is low hanging fruit. I mean, you can yeah, go up yeah. to and hit softballs all day against Mormonism. Well, so is Catholicism. Well, it is, and so yeah, and Christianity yeah. too, really, in so many ways. So, so, so you said earlier that you're anti-denominational. Yeah, definitely. Ne- yeah, yeah. I think you said yeah. never denominational. Yeah, never, never denominational. Yeah. What is what is so? Exactly it, I, I, that's actually the first time I've heard that term used. I've heard non-denominational yeah. or yeah. whatever. I kind of created. It. <laughs> that's what I was kind of thinking. Uh, can you just kind of elaborate on what you? Well, it extends You're, deeper than that, uh, Ryan Ron. It, uh, <laughs> Duffy. <laughs> no, it is really that reli- brick and mortar religion, institutional religion in and of itself is antithetical to, sorry, to Christ, <laughs> to the message he gave in my estimation. And so it was never about a building. Okay. Men took it over, hijacked it. So it's not just never denominational. It's just not. And we call our studio a studio church, but we don't have membership. We don't do, you have to come. We don't care what you dress like. We don't care what your lifestyle is. We don't care what your beliefs are. So it, so they have taken it and corporatized it and institutionalized it and make it, made it a system mm-hmm. to follow. And, and we're totally against that. Yeah. And we use the Bible to prove how that was never the case. Okay. That's, that's kind of like my other question. Like how you, cause it seemed like, cause we're very, anti-establishment of religion yeah. very full-heartedly. Well, I myself am more like, if you want to believe for yourself, it, I guess. That's what I said. That's what I said. Like, <laughs> me as myself, I, I'm like, if, if someone wants to believe in something, yeah. as long as it doesn't harm someone else or doesn't cause them to do something mm-hmm. that is harmful towards themselves, mm-hmm. okay, I can I can let it live. Yeah. But as far as the organization itself, I'm kind of like, well, you're the ones that are putting some horrible thoughts in some people's heads. Yeah. Especially with the LDS church this last weekend with their anti, uh, homo, their very homophobic stuff, their anti trans message they're giving out. I'm like, that's, that's a horrible message to give out, especially yeah. in a state where we have some of the highest suicide rates. And no, it's not because of the elevation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then the, and the, the suicide rate kicks up. Every six months, right when, around general Yeah, whenever they, when they spew this like stuff that. out. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's where I stand. So that's why I was kind of like the same people that you're kind of against as far as the organizational religion mm-hmm. still use the same text. And I know a lot of people use the same text and have different interpretations on it. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know how 
that still worked a little bit, being able to use the a, same Bible that it's they It's a long used. story. It really is. I don't know if you want to get into it, if you choose well, to. Well, which, which version of the Bible do you it use? It doesn't matter. It, I, we use any one. I use the King James because I was LDS, and I understand that one better. But I went to one kind of segue in between me, that roadside experience and coming to Utah is I attended a, a theology school for about two years full time. And so I was, I was able to understand how to learn and as a fucker, the, the Greek <laughs> as a real fucker. Yes. And that school was full of fuckers. <laughs> and uh, so I learned the Greek, how to do a little bit of that. And so, uh, yeah, whatever Bible I, you know, uh, they, they all have problems. You know, there's no epistemist word, but it's not word perfect. They have issues and, but, uh, you know, generally as a, as a reference source, I, whatever you're going to read, I, uh, fine. Yeah. So it's very loose, this whole very thing. Very loose. Yeah. yeah. I think you should have went with Sean Denominational. <laughs> Sean Denominational. <laughs> it would suddenly become not loose anymore. <laughs> right, right. <Yeah. laughs> Great idea. <laughs> well, and did I hear you say that you were a stockbroker for 13 yeah. years? Yeah. Yeah. And just decided oh, I'm leaving that all behind. Yeah. Well, I was pretty miserable in that. That yeah. led to it was. Re it's really a miserable job, mm -hmm. and uh, I wasn't. Uh, I'm not a real salesperson on something I don't believe. So I did it to try to have benefits and bring some money in, and it was always pressure. And and so it just uh, I left it because not only because I hated it, but I also knew I should pursue this thing that I now do. Well, I, yeah, I watched Wolf of Wall Street over the weekend. Oh, <laughs> that movie's fucking wild. But when you oh, were yeah. talking about, you know, popping pills and everything, mm. and then I heard stockbroker, I was thinking, oh, well, maybe, maybe the one, maybe the one goes with the other, or not. I don't know. You yeah. should. I know it's a little sidetracked. I do this all the time. Go on YouTube and find it because he does he does a, a motivational speaking now. And he tells the actual real stories. The guy, the actual real Wolf of Wall Street. Oh yeah, wow. yeah. The real life guy tells yeah. stories. Wow. They are much crazier than the movie. <laughs> much crazier. You're like, holy cow, I can't believe this guy lived. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well the movie the movie was wild enough for me that I I just am I, Tracy and I were watching it just like, holy shit. He, he did a I whole I believe people actually do this kind of shit. He did a whole hour long talk on the phases of quaaludes and oh, what wow. you do during them. Yeah. And wow. it was interesting. <laughs> Well, yeah, there's the there's a couple scenes in the movie where he's talking about quaaludes and and does quaaludes and you know he wrecks his Lamborghini. Well, and this one here, he's talking about taking his billion dollar yacht into a hurricane while on quaaludes, jeez, oh, wow. and sinking it <laughs> and throwing his helicopter overboard. Oh yeah, that's in the movie too. Yeah, uh, I was not that kind of. I was a much <laughs> much much lower class. The women surrounding me were. You know, four fifty plus. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> so, so what does campus stand for? It stands for. It, it started off as Christian anarchists meeting to prayerfully understand scripture. That's the acronym. Okay. But then we turned it to any a word possible. We've done a little blip Christian on a thing. Asses. <laughs> we did, we had asses in there. <laughs> Christian uh, atheists. You know, <laughs> if that's your a word, bring it, brother. Architects are. Artists, you know, whatever. But anarchist was the original. So, do you have uh, any regular job now, or is it just ministry full time? It's all ministry. Is yeah, it? yeah. It's been full time since two thousand nine. Wow. And so, do you 
does your church just accept donations we or accept how them. does that? We do not, uh, we do not, uh, preach them. We don't say pass the plate. We don't mm-hmm. say there's a donation box in the back. It's if you want to contribute, do it. You're and, not Joel Olstein showing up the church in a, a Ferrari. No. no. <laughs> and I mean, let's just, I, for transparency, last year I made 24 grand. So, you know, my wife works now and, uh, her parents passed away, left us a little bit of money, and so that helped and things like that. Yeah, it's not a money gig. It could be if I start turning into oh well, yeah. yeah. Well, that's that's they always say one of the quickest ways to become rich is to start your own church. Oh yeah, right? yeah. And if you're really beating that drum of you need to give me money or to get right with God and receive His blessings, the whole prosperity gospel. Oh yeah, it's horrible, yeah. horrible. Well, I'll say right off the bat, you're more ethical than. All those prosperity gospel guys. All like. right. <laughs> Thanks, Ryan. Ryan. You're okay in Ron's book. <laughs> so so what are the major differences between your current theological beliefs and and those of the LDS church? Of oh, the LDS? Yeah. Uh, well, um, <sighs> well, so I'm guessing you, you don't believe that Joseph Smith was a prophet of God and had his first vision and all of that, or do you? I don't, I don't know. No, I think Joseph Smith probably started off uh, with some good intentions, and I think that uh, the girls and gold and glory got in the way, and he did what everybody does who get in that position, you know, and he started marching around, became king of the world, and he went south, you know. Uh, but I think he could have started off with some good intentions. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I think that the- theologically, we're, I'm so far afield from them, but I am so far afield from most evangelicalism and most Catholicism. Uh, so I'm far afield from all of their takes on it. So to me, a Mormon who is uh, committed and they are kind and good, they're as valuable as a Baptist or even a Hindu. If they love if they love, uh, that's the qualifier for me. Uh, if they love, they are my brother, you know, and I'll let God figure out all the theology. Yeah. So, so you say it's that your church is non-denominational, but it is, it is Christian centric, right? Yeah. It's, I it's teach based the Bible the every week. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If you, yeah, I guess. I don't know how how to how to ask this question necessarily, but if you were to compare the teachings in your church to any other denomination, I mean, is there anything out there that even comes close as far as being Christian anarchists? <laughs> well, uh, Jacques Ulil was a guy. Uh, Leo Tolstoy was a Christian anarchist, but uh, so principally from them. But I th- think I can make it easier because it isn't re- re- readily understood, Dan. And the best way to understand the difference between what we do at campus and what all the other places do is we believe that the faith is subjective and not objectively delivered. That means that I can get up and say, you know, it says here that Jesus rose from the grave on the third day. It's up to you to subjectively decide what you think of that, believe in that, reject it. That's between you and your maker, not between me telling you that's what you have to believe. So our view is that the faith has been entirely subjective since Christ died. It is up to the individual. They say, no, there are objective laws that must be accepted for you to be considered his or not. And I say, no, I don't think that's the case at all. And they'll say, well, where do you draw the line? We don't draw the line. So you don't draw the line like like at all? Like 
what if what if somebody were to say, well, yes, I'm a I'm a Christian, but I'm a Christian anarchist. So I'm a Christian who doesn't believe that Christ ever existed. Yeah. I don't I don't believe that in the crucifixion and resurrection redemption through Christ. I don't believe in any of that, mm-hmm. but I still call myself a Christian. It, that's between you and God. I, that is not, I cannot discern your heart. Uh, and then often what people say, I'm not a Christian or I am a Christian, sometimes it has to do with how that's been defined. So what's right, in your yeah. heart? And, it's, and it, everybody defines yeah. that differently. Right. Know? A lot of the evangelical Christians would say that Mormons aren't Christians. A and lot of there's them. A, there's, a big, <laughs> there's a big argument and discussion about that and always has been. Right. So to me, the solution to the infighting and the uh, rancor between the sex is, uh, the sex is, uh, <laughs> I can never say it. Uh, I think it's, it's from tough, my childhood. It's a tough one. <laughs> sex, uh, is subjective Christianity, but it makes people go apeshit. They can't handle it. The pastors cannot handle it. No, you are. And, and I think that it is clearly taught. Uh, uh, in the scripture, so you think what's clearly taught in the scripture? Subje- subjective faith. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. that it's up to each individual yeah. just to decide on yeah. on how they want to interpret various passages within the Bible yeah. and and incorporate those into their own lives. Yeah, and it comes down to a big word, and you may know it, and it's it's called eschatology, mm-hmm. and so the eschatological positions of the churches, which means what do the end times look like. That's where the rub comes into play, because if you believe that what Jesus established and did uh, is still going on and he still has some church and we're still trying to wait for him to come back and take it, then you should be following the Bible and its edicts closely. But if he came back as he promised he would and, and he did what he said he was going to do, the Bible tells us that in that day when that has all happened, Everything else becomes, it's just over. We're in a different age, completely different age. So I'm not alone in this. I didn't create this. There are other Christians who eschatologically are called full preterists, and that's what I am. I believe all of that Bible stuff has full, been completed. Full predators? Yeah, no, what yeah, no. I, I shouldn't have said it. I knew. I, no, I, I'm, I'm not familiar with the, with the yeah, preterist. Yeah, full preterist. And it, preterist, preterist is a Latin term that means, uh, um, and the, the completion, I think. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that's a new that's a new term to me. I haven't yeah. I haven't heard that one before, and I like to think that I'm uh, that I'm pretty up on religious teachings and and thought, but I've I've never heard that term before. Yeah. So that's or maybe I haven't just glossed. You know, you may have said they said pederast or pedophile. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard those ones. Yeah. Those are, those are big in the Catholic Not, not surprising that Ryan's heard those <laughs> with that mustache and all the hanging around the, the parks that you do. <laughs> I do good stuff. Oh, my. I know. You you obey your restraining orders. <laughs> I don't have a restraining I, I know, order. I know, I know. These are all jokes. So we, we did have some listener questions. Uh, the first one comes to us from Andrew Vodapich, and he says, I'd be curious to find out just how much of the Bible he feels can be disregarded while still calling oneself a Christian or claiming that it is from God. Granted, everyone feels that their own interpretation is the correct one, but is there a line that he feels cannot be crossed when diverging from the actual words of the Bible? Uh, no. And here's why. In that, uh, that schematic that we talked about of full preterism, 
there, there's a scripture in the Old Testament, and it's echoed twice in the New Testament, where God says, if you want to believe this, that in that day, I will write my laws on their hearts and on their minds. And he was talking about the day when everything else had been fulfilled. So in our day, the the scripture says that he would write his laws on us, and we would be the walking, living epistles. So the difference is between what's written in the book, which I don't think in the New Testament was ever for us to begin with. It wasn't written to us. It was written to them. That stuff can be debated ad nauseum. That's why subjectively what God has written on individuals' hearts is what they're responsible for. All I look for in someone is, are they able to love? So I, his, to answer to his question is, it doesn't matter what people think the Bible is saying or does. I don't care at all. I care about what they believe in their heart and are they following it with love? If they're not, I still love them. So that's mm-hmm. not even a qualifier. Mm-hmm. But the text says he will write it on our hearts. And this totally throws Sola Scriptura and Calvin and the Reformation out the frickin' window. They did the mm-hmm. greatest damage when he came up and said, Sola Scriptura, Sola Scriptura. It's created 30,000 denominations, you know? Yeah. So, but if he's written it on your heart, you're responsible. You are, I am, Matt is, Mary is, and we're, we're fine. Yeah. That's a, that's a really interesting take. When I, when I came on your show, you said, you know, that you were, going to tell me some things about Christianity that I hadn't heard before. And you were absolutely right. And that happens so rarely that I thought, I really need to have this guy on our show. Um, I think he said he was going to have a better beard than you someday too, didn't you? (laughs) I I have to interrupt. Why did we shave? (laughs) That's like cutting off the the unit, dude. (laughs) It it wasn't – so it wasn't my choice to shave necessarily. I offered my beard as tribute as a oh. fundraiser for Atheists of Utah. Oh. So we we had a end of summer picnic and it was, you know, I offered my beard as tribute where people could buy tickets and they had a choice of, you know, they, they bought a ticket and they could put it in one of three little Jars. containers yeah. for a drawing later. And, and their choices were either keep it or dye it or shave it. And... People shave it ended up winning because people are terrible. They are. (laughs) They did it for spite. Yeah. Just for fun. Just, yeah. So just pick the worst thing. So this is two and a half weeks. That's already enviable. I mean, I've, I've known you for what, five years now? Somewhere in that area. Two weeks ago was the first time I ever saw him without a beard. No kidding. Yeah. Same. How did you like looking in the mirror? It was really fucking weird, for a, while, weird. for a long time. And it's still, it's still a little off putting, but yeah. when I, when I had just the smooth cheek, like absolutely no facial hair at all, it was really fucking weird. Yeah. And that first night was like the coldest pillow I've ever felt in my entire life. I think like being able to actually feel it on my face yeah. was, uh, was disturbing. And now I still have like phantom beard syndrome, Yeah, like doing different things. I, I still in my mind picture myself with a beard. Like, uh, like when I'm in the shower, you know, I, I wash my hair and everything. And then I go to shampoo my beard and I'm like, Oh shit. Yeah. I don't, I don't have a beard anymore. <laughs> And then I'll, then, you know, finish cleaning everything and turn the water off. And I used to shake my head to get all the water out of my beard. And I still go to do that. And I'm like, the hell am I doing that for? That's not going to help anything. <laughs> Taking off my shirt. I've, I always expect that my beard's going to come up into my face and that doesn't have, yeah. So just 
Lots of little things like that. When I when I get in bed at night and pull the covers up, <laughs> don't shave it. Like, like yeah. there's a whole there's a laundry list of things I've noticed. Like, yeah, honestly, when I get in bed and I pull the covers up, it's like I don't have to contend with am I going to have the beard over the covers or under the covers? And yeah, just a whole long list of things that wow. are that make your life so much different without a beard. <laughs> Fascinated, and and now now I can be an envy of your wonderful mane. Thank you. <laughs> Where were we? What were we? <laughs> yeah. Um. So, so with it with it being that loose of a tie to Christianity, is there anything stopping you from incorporating uh, religious beliefs from other faith traditions? There is because uh, what changed me was the message of Christ uh, living, dying, resurrecting. So that's what he had I had a bad weekend, to. right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, that was that was Matt who, who that I credit with good, telling me that initially. Uh, so so there there is really no line that you feel can't be crossed when diverging from no. the actual words of the Bible. No. Yeah, that just, that seems to me that you, that because of that, then it would be really easy to say, well, I, you know, I take that to mean something that would indicate that, you know, some of the teachings from these other religions are also valid and correct and, mm-hmm. and could be incorporated. Mm-hmm. And, and I do believe, I mean, and I, I don't want to be offensive to Islam or Hindus and things, but I do believe that it is Christ working through them. To bring people to him. And so I do think he is Lord and King. And I just think they don't know it yet. And and so it's convenient for me to believe that, you know, but that is how I see it because I do believe he is the the Lord and, and King. So uh, I think he's had the victory. I don't think he's a failure God. I don't think, and I think everybody, that's another thing that make, makes us very different. I believe in total reconciliation. Everybody will be reconciled to God after this life. And because of the eschatology, there's no hell that's been done away with. And, and that taught, that's taught about in the Bible, that it will be thrown away and done away with. No more Satan. Uh, so all of that uh, done away with, and we live in a completely different age now. And when you say people will be reconciled to Christ, what exactly do you mean by that? I think that uh, we can have union with him now in the spirit through our heart, or we can reject that. And that, that's the freedom that God loves. He loves freedom. And if you reject it, I believe that at death, you'll have that constant, constant chance to say, all right, I'll accept it now. Maybe you don't want it. But I think you kind of mocked me a little bit on the show when I said <laughs> there's gates in the New Jerusalem. Yeah. Well, that was, that, the, that again was one of the things that I've just never heard before. Yeah. That. There are holes in the gates. I'm not going to let you say holes again. Because <laughs> I said holes like We're a really fool. We're really excited about the holes. <laughs> He's going to get everybody in there somehow. There's holes in the gate. <laughs> no, there's there's openings that are, it says open day and night for anyone who's outside of the city to come in. And so that is biblical. And I believe that's the case. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Can, can I can I ramp it up just a tiny ramp bit? Ramp it. <laughs> so you, earlier you said uh, just a tiny bit. Uh, you said, uh, well, I've got it written down. I hope that would be smoother, but it wasn't. Uh, are people able, able to love was one of your qualifiers. Yeah. So how, how do we explain that God created psychopaths and sociopaths, narcissists, people who we know can't 
love. They're yeah. incapable of it. Yeah. I don't uh, subscribe to God creating it. I subscribe to um, uh, him allowing that to happen because of free will. And because of free will, we have disease, we have uh, very unfortunate things. And so I don't think those people would be accountable for failing to love if they don't have the capacity. But free will doesn't doesn't affect biochemistry. Uh, well, it does if we go back to the origin stories, and that's what I'm talking oh, about. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you're talking about the fall of yeah, Adam, and that's yeah. where all the badness ha- yeah. started coming yeah. in. So, started coming in. okay. So all the diseases and stuff that kids are born with is our fault, not God's. Yeah, I would say that <laughs> it is the product uh, of our uh, choices, our decisions uh, universally to, you know, do whatever we want to do, which is kind of the credo of atheists, I understand. Do what you will. But I think that we... Uh, we well, I don't believe in a will, actually, so... Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so yeah. that's not my credo, but... <laughs> yeah, but um, uh, I do think that we we make our own bed, and uh, but I do think he's there to help us solve it, too, through science and through... Uh, through chemistry and and things like that, and I think it's his genius that works through us. And is your God a, a omnimax God? Is he all loving, all powerful, all all the, all the good things? Um, I don't think God can do anything. I don't believe that. It's not omnipotent because okay. at all, no, because not at all, no, because he can't do anything he wants. Or a, I shouldn't say that he can't do anything. Um, because that would, that would go counter <laughs> that that's counter. There are some things that he can't do is maybe what, right? Like you said, he can't do anything and that could be taken one of two. Oh ways. yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you for that clarification. <laughs> God can't do anything, man. <laughs> I was like, wow, we got him on board quickly. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, quick, quick conversion. <laughs> it was great having you on the show. Welcome to the Atheist Club. Yeah. Uh, no, it's Calvin who says, uh, Jean Calvin who says, no, he is sovereign. That, that's the word he imputed into the whole discussion. Sovereign. And, and I don't think that God is a, a sovereign like a king is a sovereign. God can't go bang chicks because God is good. God can't, can't do these things that we assign to him. He is good. And so uh, I have trouble with the omnipotence part. Okay. Right. So, so let's say, let, let me, let me change that a little bit. So is he, is he all, let if we start with him being all good, right? Okay. There's no there's none of the like go bang chicks. That's all on the bad side, right? Well, is he yeah. maxed out on the good side? I'm just saying. I mean, I'm, no, no, I'm using your example. I know yeah. you are. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so you know he can't go kill somebody. Right. Obviously. Uh, so if we have this, we have a cube and we just cut it in half, bad and good. Is he maxed out on this on the good half of the cube? Yeah. I mean he can't reach over here, but he's. All powerful within this realm, right? Yeah, and the the and the way that the scripture says is he's love. It's one of the only things where God is is used. It's like he's like three times, and God is love. So I'll say instead of good, I'll say love. Okay, yeah. Is is he omniscient? Uh, I think so, but there's some guys. Greg Boyd is an open theist. He argues that he has good points. I'm not sure. There's a lot of things I don't know. Yeah, right. Okay, so you say probably. Yeah, seems like it. Okay, I'll, I'll take that as a yes. That was, that was a very, very, yeah, very good answer. I'll, I'll take. I'll, 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 let's just go with a tentative yes. Okay, tentative yes. So just back to the other problem. Then when when he's doing the creating, he knows all of the beginning to end. The all of it's happening at one. Like there's no such thing as time, but it's all happening at once. He understands everything, beginning to end, up, down, all that. Yeah. So 
when he makes a psychopath, he's condemning him at the same time because no. there's no love there. That, and, and since God knows all of the answers all of the time mm-hmm. and has the power to do that, mm-hmm. that, that there's no way that can be the fault of the being, right? That's, that's the, the fault, fault of the being. That's the fault of the, of the omniscient creator. If the psychopath winds up uh, in hell, you're right. And if the psychopath pays for being a psychopath that he can't help, you're absolutely correct. Well, I, I'm, I mean, just tying it back into your church. Let's say that he, let's say he is a psychopath, but he lives a, a very good life. Other than the fact well, that he can't love, which is what God still not accountable. If he can't love, he, then he's part of the product that couldn't love. God knew that uses it for His will. Use it, which could, to us could look evil. It uses it for his plan, but in the end, will reconcile all things to himself. All things from the beginning he knew, bad and good mm-hmm. from our perspective, but he will bring it around to his good uh, will because it has to be goodwill in the end because he's love. So that's why we can say the things that occur that look so heinous to us under his to- under his watch are loving in the sense that he will make it right in the end. To us, someone starving in Africa seems like a heinous guy who doesn't care, an absentee manager. But yeah. to me, if you have the grand scheme of it in play for a God who is love, that's the principle I stand on, then in that, he is going to work it out for good. And that person who had a bad weekend and starved to death <laughs> uh, in the eternity. Maybe they were crucified. Uh, Maybe they were crucified, you know, whatever. So then that satisfies you. I mean, so if yeah. so if. If someone rapes your daughter yeah. and you find that guy and he says, don't worry, I'm going to give you a thousand dollars in 40 years. Yeah. That's what, that makes it okay. I mean, no. maybe a thousand dollars is low, but I'm just saying a million dollar billion. I mean, there's no price for that. Right. right but, right. but I'm saying, I mean, so uh, you talk about free will. I mean, a case like that, whose will is being protected, right? Uh, the girl who's being raped is having her free will taken uh, to for the sake of the perpetrator sure. for his free will. Sure. Right. So, so to say to her then that, okay, well, it's okay that you were raped because in the long run that it's all going to be made up at somehow. I wouldn't say to her, it's okay I, I that mean, she was raped. Well, over, okay. Yeah. Bad, bad choice of words, yeah. but, but, but the idea of, of prolonged, uh, uh, Prolonged suffering for a prize at the end? No, that's probably the wrong way to say it. Yeah, you worded that perfectly, Ron. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ron has the best bad words. Uh, uh, to be, to be reimbursed or, or, or pay, you know, re- repaid, recovered, whatever, all that, that to negativity. Have your so far down the line. Well, so far down the line and, and, and not actually guaranteed necessarily. Well, and, and I just don't see how that could even be worth it because in the moment you're being stripped of all of those things, including the will that's supposed to be the most important thing in the plan. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know how that would work with a loving God. You know what I'm saying? What I would say to my daughter who was raped horribly and, and, and that it was one, an absolute uh, horrible event. And two, God was not the author of it. Three. Uh, the the uh, reason things like that happen is because of free will. The person who raped her had the choice to rape her or not. And she has the free will to turn that into something that will benefit her life or help others and train them what to do in the case of it. Or she can turn it to bitterness. We have that constant choice. We are, as Sartre says, we're condemned to be free. Now, I know this might go against kind of what uh, Dan said, because I don't think you believe in free will. But I believe that's that's fundamental to my uh, core belief. Sure. Free will. And so I think everything is a constant opportunity to turn it for good 
and see what God does with it in the end. And I think that in the end, he does turn these horrible things to good if we let him. That's just the way I would see it. First, so first, I want to let Dan have a shot, but I shouldn't have made that so personal in the example. And I apologize okay. for no, that. I understand. Um, we'll just say somebody that's out there, you know, but it's I, more effective. If it's, a, if it's, my I, 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 right. I know, but it, that's, that's awful though. I mean, yeah. I mean, no, I get what you mean though. No. Yeah. So I have a couple of questions. So along the lines of free will, do you believe that you're the author of your own thoughts? Well, you know, that's tough because we are subject to our environment and our genetics and what our parents did to us. So I think that we're constantly uh, the author of choosing to address them, but I'm not sure if we're the author of our own thoughts. Uh, no, I, I don't know. There's too many factors involved to say. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. So, so that's why, you know, that, that, that is a big sticking point for me as far as the free will discussion, right? Yeah. So like, like if I tell you, don't think about a pink elephant, what is the first thing that pops into your mind? That's right. And you have no choice in that matter. That, that's just there. Yeah. You're not the author of that thought. You're, you're a passenger along for the ride yeah. saying, okay, well, I, I feel like I have a choice in these different things. And I can, you know, when presented with options, I may be able to convince myself that, you know, I would prefer to do this thing or I'm going to do this thing versus another thing. But really, when you take a step back and think about it for a little while, there are a lot of things that happen in your life or or things that you do that, you know, a lot of people would say you quote unquote had a choice to do or not. Right. But anybody else given your entire life circumstance up until that point would have acted exactly the same way as you. And to say that they would have chosen differently, I think is, is a fallacy. Like mm. you can't have gone through all of those experiences and then have, have a point where you make a decision and, and, you know, make a choice or, or perform an action and say that if somebody else had, had lived your life perfectly up until that point that they would have done something different mm. because they they wouldn't have because clearly you didn't right mm -hmm. you have all that experience walking into that situation and this was the the decision that you made or or the choice that you made right sure. and so to me it 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 sounds like you say that you you believe in a sense of free will but even then it's more of a a more of more of a compatibilist a more of a compatibilist yeah. view of free will. Yeah, I think so, and, and and I get your point. I mean, and that is why I think the grace of God is so important, is because He understands that we've had so much shit happen to us that a lot of the things that the most heinous you know criminals have done really isn't a product of their own free will to do it. And I think that plays into this gentle, graceful God of love than this despotic God who's like pointing fingers at people who really had no choice to begin with. I just am really fond of, I'm kind of an existentialist in the idea that we are constantly having to make decisions. Even though the information that we're making them on is tainted, we still are choosing something and I understand your, your philosophical point because, I mean, it has merit. I, I can't refute it completely. It's kind of my view. You're very soft on a lot of these things, <laughs> yeah. damn it. I want to be able to nail you on you some do. of this stuff. <laughs> it's like, oh, he's going to wiggle out of it somehow. <laughs> Honestly, I am I am speaking the truth No, from I know you are. Yeah. And I, this and isn't I really through the arguing. Yeah. I am speaking how are we. No, yeah. I, I think you're yeah. very, you, you come across as, as being very genuine. You're not, you're not dissembling. You're not trying to. 
you know, mask what you really believe no. by using different language or anything. I think you're speaking from the heart yeah. and I really admire Which that. Which I also loved it earlier when you said, honestly, like, I don't know. Yeah. Because that's one thing we always say, like, that's something we that's, hardly that's ever a, hear from Christians. Like, really? Like, I don't, like, know. Like, I don't yeah. know is a valid answer. There's just certain it things is so you valid. just don't know. Most things. Yeah. We don't yeah. know most we things. We don't yeah. know. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so I love that when you said that earlier, when you just said, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you do you do baptism at your church? We do if people want and we do it any way they want and anyone can do it. So oh. you can sprinkle, you can dunk. Uh, See, a, that was going to be my next question. A kid can do it. A mom can do it. Uh, you can do it in whatever name you want. You don't have to do a name. It's up to the individual. It's subjective. Oh, wow. Yeah. Do you do you recommend baptism or do you think people should be baptized? It's, and And what do you think is the goal of baptism in your church in particular? Well, it's really the way we say it. It's an outward expression of an internal faith. So it's really not uh, necessary in any sort It's not sort. a requirement no, to, no, no. to be born again or no. cleanse your sins. And, no. and, you know, you've reached whatever point in your life where you're now accountable for those sins. No. And you can wash them away and that kind of thing. None of that stuff. It's just – and I do find it beneficial. We're kind of tactile creatures. And when you can have an experience that has – like a chiropractor feels better than a GM, I mean, a general <laughs> practitioner. Yeah. They touch you. And baptism kind of has a, a, a religious – thing that people just freaking love doing them they love to be baptized they i really think they think their sins are somehow being washed <laughs> away and so those types of people get to have them we do it in a cow font out in the summer but i don't find it necessary at all for anyone who refuses it what's know. the point of your church the point I mean, really- <laughs> that was a nice question. <laughs> well, I'm just curious. I mean, if God is so loosey, no, it doesn't matter. There's no real, you know. Yeah. I mean, usually, usually, I'm just saying. I, I know you're unorthodox, clearly, but usually, the point of it is to is to get the herd and moving in one direction because these yeah. are the rules that God wants us. to, You know, we we do these things, and that's what He likes. Yeah. But for you, it seems just like you know, life is going to happen and that's how it's going to be. And at the end, we'll all just have a happy party. Yeah. So it's not completely that, but uh, this is the point. Uh, we do something that most churches don't do because it drives people away. That's why we're not very big. I teach verse by verse through the books of the New Testament. And the reason we do that is because it gives people a chance to decide if they want to follow what that thing says or not. Now, everything in it isn't necessarily, you don't have to follow. I don't follow a lot of it, but it's up to them. So, and the reason we do that, Matt, is because there is a link in my estimation between faith and love. There's a link between those. And this is what I mean by that. If you teach somebody that God says you should forgive people seven times 70 or whatever Jesus Mm -hmm. said, you can choose to uh, acquiesce to that and assent to that and then by forgiving, you're exercising love. So they're linked. You have faith that that was an important thing. If you say, I don't believe that's important, then you don't exercise the love associated with it. So we, our whole purpose is to teach so people can make the choice of, do they want to follow that certain thing subjectively and then help them to what we believe would be to love better? That's the, that's essentially okay. it. So if I have faith in stoning unruly children, that's my link to love? No, because it wouldn't no. be loving. Well, we can, and because the, the, it's love, in the Bible though. Yeah. But it's, so, so, but I'm just saying, if that's my, if that's a verse that I have faith in, you're, I mean, I'm, you're just saying faith is connected. I, the Bible is problematic, yeah. uh, but, uh, but 
there must be one there must be something else in that you didn't say in what you were explaining between the link the only thing with i did love i'm sorry i didn't mean to interrupt no the only sorry. thing i didn't say is that the bible defines what love looks like and that's the, that's the caveat and that's the, that's the, described in uh give references ephesians 5 uh galatians 6 and and first corinthians 13 it defines what this love that we're trying to promote looks like and it's selfless and it's patient and it's kind and it's long suffering it doesn't stone people it's not so so that new testament which it really wasn't that apost- those apostolic letters they describe the love that we're trying to get people to promote so it can't if someone says i think it's loving to stone my children uh i would say that's your choice you can do that but i would suggest to you strongly that that is outside of the description of what love is yeah then why is it in there it was in there because now we're going back to Old Testament. Why was there ever that whole deal? And I mean, just to summarize and make it clear, it was to show the need for a Messiah. That if you want, if that nation wanted to get to God on their own merits, they weren't going to be able to do it. And they didn't. They, they practiced idolatry. If you want to do it by the law, good freaking luck. So it was really to show them the need for the Messiah to come and do it for them and believe on him. That's the purpose of that old law, as heinous as it can be. I don't think I understand. Sorry, I know you want to get no, something no, else. Okay. No, no, I'm, no, no let's I'm, talk about it. I'm digging this, this line of thought. But so the purpose of the Old Testament, according to you, is to prove that the Jews couldn't do it on their own. Yeah. But so so that's also a very unorthodox take on the Old Testament. I mean, probably not. Paul says it himself. He says it in Galatians that the law was a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. So I'm trying to obey the Sabbath. I'm trying to uh, do this. I'm trying to do that. I freaking can't do it. They failed in every, every perspective. And so when the Messiah comes who was promised to them, he says, look to me. I will be the one who bring you in. You can't do it on your own. And that is, that's what Paul, the Sanhedrin uh, Pharisee says, the law was to bring the Jews as a nation to the schoolmaster and to show them they needed him. It was their schoolmaster to show them they needed a Messiah. And it was a long time that that law was in place. Why does God take so long? I have no idea. Okay. So you're saying the Old Testament wasn't God's law at all. No, it was his law. Yeah, it was his law given to Moses, brought down from the mount, given to the nation of Israel, obey these rules. But they couldn't do it. They could not obey those rules. Because would we not, won't. would not, you mean, right? Would, would not. Okay, because yeah. you, you're, okay, all right. I think that, because. That was the th- hitch. I, I think, I, well, I, that's one, maybe one, one of them. them. Yeah. I, I think, because it sounded like you were saying it was an impossibility, which, so then I thought, well, he can't be talking about, it doesn't matter yeah. what I was going through. Uh, <laughs> um, I not, probably not, lost my train of thought on, on the whole thing, but. You don't know what you're going now. through. Huh? <laughs> now, now you don't know what you're going through. Yeah, I don't know. Ron, Jeez. help me. Um, <laughs> you guys are really messing me up with this. <laughs> Go ahead, Dan. I'd... So, let's see. So, during my guest spot on your show, you said that you're not a fan of Christianity. Uh, I think we've kind of gone over what you yeah. meant by that. Yeah. And I, I think it's more that you view a lot of the organized and correct me if I'm wrong, but you you view a lot of the organized uh, Christian faiths as being corrupted by yeah. uh, power, but, but being corrupted by love of power, love of money, 
uh, love of authority, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And it goes opposite to what God said he would do in that age where he would write it on our hearts. They pastors stand up and make themselves the authority and they are collecting. <laughs> you will respect my authority. authority. <laughs> collecting money and, and you must obey and you must be baptized and all of that stuff is church plan. So uh, on a related question, uh, we have a a listener question from Taylor Grin who says, uh, what makes you special such that you get to pick and choose which religious bits to believe? And then what makes any religious leaders special in this regard? Yeah, you know, it's a great question. I'm not special. Uh, All I can tell uh, him is that um, I have done my homework. I, I, I have for nearly 30 years been at five or six in the morning for four or five hours at it studying. And the thing that makes at least me unique is that I have changed my position so many times as new information comes along. And I'm not against that at all. So I rail against the Trinity. And that has got made me anathema to the Christian churches because I discovered it was a hoax. And when when I found, I believed in it. When I went to Calvary Chapel School of Ministry, I believed the Trinity. I I believed in hell. I believed in a second coming. But when I discovered that they were wrong, I changed. And I did that on the air because everything we did was live. And so I became known as this loose cannon who couldn't get moored on anything because <laughs> everything. But I, I will change. And that's the only thing I can say is that... If you can show me something that will alter my view, I will change it. And I think that's, I think that's fucking fabulous, actually. I think yeah. that's fantastic because so many religious people are very, very dogmatic in oh. their views and their beliefs, right? Yeah. That it's, no, this is right and this is true and it, it will always be this way no matter what. Yeah. Nothing blacks, you can say. Yeah, yeah blacks Nothing will never be say. able to hold the priesthood until God changes his mind. <laughs> yeah. Well, it just reminds me of the Ken Ham debate with a, oh. a I just forgot. Bill Nye. Bill, Bill Nye's Nye. name. Yeah. yeah, where Bill Nye's there asked the same question. Bill Nye says, evidence. Evidence will change my mind. Yeah. And Cam Han yeah. says, nothing. Yeah, he's not. Nothing will book. change my mind. Yeah. I'm like, that's not a good that's position horrible. to have. It's horrible. <laughs> it's horrible. So I'm guessing you don't like Ken Hamburg. No. Yeah, we don't either. I don't like that arc, and I don't like the creation center for- (laughs) Yeah, his creation museum. Oh, all that The genocide and incest park? (laughs) Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, A friend of mine coined that term when they, when they, uh, he's, well, he works for American (laughs) Atheists now, but uh, was the president of the Tri-State Freethinkers, and they put up a billboard that- Referred to the Ark Park as the genocide and incest park. <laughs> oh my God. That is hilarious. That, that got, that got a lot of news, of, of course, because, you know, nobody, well, the Christians were not very happy about it. Ken Ham was definitely not happy about it. Wow. Do you believe in the Ark really quick? I believe it was a geographical flood. I think the Ark, uh. Do you think it was a global had, flood or no. a regional? Okay. Regional. It was a basin that. That you can pretty much see, and I think they had a couple animals on there, and I, I, I don't believe in the worldwide flood. I don't believe in a, a young earth. I don't believe in I, – I believe that evolution can have a place, and science has a great place. I don't believe any of the hocus-pocus that Christians, evangelicals push as – and there's a lot of Christians who don't. And that's the unfortunate thing is the evangelicals have the loudest voice mm-hmm. and they, they crush everybody else and they make everyone look pretty bad. Well, so none of the hocus pocus, just the creation of Adam and Eve and the fall. Well, you know, just the pocus. Let me ask you something, <laughs> Just Matt. the pocus. Do, do you think that 
the creation of Adam and Eve is more hocus pocusy than lightning striking a mud puddle and us cre- crawling out as creatures and developing into. I well, mean, to me, it's that, all that's hocus not what evolution. Yeah, that's though. a straw man. Well, but even if I even yeah, if that I accept a that, straw man. Yeah. Uh, then I would say those are probably pretty equal. Okay, I can yeah. agree. I can agree, but when when you call one of my things hocus pocus, no, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but that that isn't one of my things. Yeah. Well, <laughs> then then where did the origin of man come from? The origin of man? Yeah, yeah. I mean, have we always been developed and walking around, or did we come no. from? No. Okay, so to me, that's as hocus pocusy as an Adam and Eve story. Okay, yeah. But but you you did say there was a place for evolution. Absolutely. Sure. Okay, so that's. So then it's not. And Adam right. and Eve could have been cave people for all I know, and we could have sure. evolved from there. So I don't get into well, the it, Well, yeah, if, if, if Adam and Eve refers to, like, say, early humans or mm-hmm. even Homo erectus or whatever, it doesn't matter, anything along that line. Mm-hmm. Okay, now that's science. That's not hocus pocus because we know that's what happened. Mm-hmm. But we certainly didn't come from two individuals. Mm-hmm. But. Well, I, you know. At least genetically th- and scientifically. Yeah, I've heard that, but uh-huh. I hear, I hear other things and I'm not a scientist and I, and I do practice this thing that, uh, I stand by and I cannot defend it. It is faith. So I do have to admit faith into my worldview. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when I read that, I do trust in the story. Now, was there a creation before that? Were there other worlds? Were there dinosaurs then? Or were there dinosaurs? I don't know any of that. But I do accept the creation story. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So how do you determine what you'll take or believe on faith and what you will not? It's, uh, it's a matter of, um, what Christians would call the spirit, what's been written on your heart. And then what does the evidence, the biblical evidence support? And so that's why I'm so loose on worldwide flood or six day creation or any of those things. But. Adam and Eve, it's pretty well supported through both apostolic writings and Old Testament writers, and then including Moses, uh, if those texts are correct, that that's the story. So that's why I stand on it. But other things have so much play in them, I don't go down the dogma road. So what what do you say to somebody who says that they also believe, or that they also base a lot of their personal beliefs on faith? But they come to a completely different conclusion. They they they're not they're not even Christians, right? They're they're Buddhists or is Islamists or yeah. or not Islamists. They're Muslim. Muslims. <laughs> oh. <laughs> they could be in they could be an Islamist Muslim, I guess. Um, what about those Torahists? Or, yeah. or, or they're Jew, yeah, or they're Jewish, and they they believe every bit as strongly as you do, and they say that they're doing that on faith as well. Yeah. How do you how do you determine who's correct? Uh, I don't. Yeah, that's the whole problem. I, that's why you asked about baptism. You want to take one simple single subject and see division. It's that one. And so I just say, who knows? You know, and if, and if a Islamist says, you know, Adam and Eve, uh, no, it was this and that. I say, fine. I mean, th- that's the problem is dogma divides and dogma does not get you into heaven. We're not going to be, a, there's not going to be a theology exam with God. There's going to be, did you love? That is the test. So that's why I refuse to divide on things. I'll argue them and I'll articulate my views, but I would never divide over any different position that someone has regarding God or non-God. No. So, so if some, so how, let me see. <laughs> so somebody who is a Muslim and, and believes in 
their faith traditions and beliefs uh, surrounding Muhammad was a prophet, Allah is God. Jesus was also a prophet, but was not the son of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and they know this just as much as you mm-hmm. say that you know that what you believe is true. Mm-hmm. H- how How is that reconciled? It's, you say all things will be reconciled to Christ, but that's your your views, sure. right? I mean, and, and your use of the Bible and a bunch of other beliefs is so loosey-goosey. Is it possible that you are actually a Muslim and just don't really know sure. it yet? Yeah. We see through a glass darkly. We don't know anything. We were ambling forth with, with scant information. And so I just, I used to be a dogmatic. I took my dickness and, and, and I transferred it to this television show and I was dogmatic on there and everyone loved it. And then when I stopped being that way and I became more like what we say Jesus was, people hated me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so I. Well, that happens with conservative Christians all over uh, the place. Yeah. Right? They, they don't act at all like what they say Jesus taught no, them. No, they don't like. at yeah. all. You guys act more like Jesus than they do. <laughs> I know. And I'm not saying that to blow uh, smoke up your skirt. It's, it's actually true. But there's a lot of Christians I know, at least not a lot, but my friends, they understand that. They, you know, got guys who are bikers and, and they say, I don't even want to deal with Christians. I like the people who don't have anything to do with it. They're just nicer people. Yeah. Yeah. So I hope I didn't lose the point too far here. No, 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 not at all. I, I think that was a great answer. Um, when I was on your show, you said that faith is a choice. Um, but if you don't know what other faiths are available, is it really a choice to believe that particular faith? And the, you know, when I was, when I was on the show and you said that, it reminded me of an encounter I had with, um, some Mormon fundamentalists. There was a polygamist group, Atheist of Utah organized a camping trip and mm. the All Red Clan mm. happened to also be camping in the same group campsite. Well, not the same campsite, but the same group mm-hmm. loop of campsites. And, you know, Atheist of Utah had one site and the All Red Clan had Every other camping site the, for their family. Yeah. At, at this particular, uh, uh, camping location. And they came over and we had a nice conversation. You know, we, we talked to them. They seemed like very friendly, uh, carefree people. One of the things that they said that concerned me a little bit was, you know, the, the, the patriarch who was there said that they're very open about their beliefs with their children and that they, Tell them that, you know, we, we could be wrong, but this is what we believe and you're free to explore other things. And my, my point or my response to that was, well, that's all fine and good. And I, I appreciate that you do that. You know, once they are at an age where they can understand what you're saying and can process that, that, you know, there are other faiths out there, but when they've been raised in a particular faith their entire life and they've been steeped in that their entire life is it really providing them much of a choice to say you know at a certain age oh yeah well now that we've taught you all of these things we also need to teach you that there are other things out there that we don't believe in by the way Mm -hmm. because we think they're wrong but you're totally free to go and explore them by yourself Mm -hmm. and so is that is it really a choice for a lot of people whether they believe or not and and the faith that they follow for most of their lives it's i'm going to try to truncate the answer um it's not really a choice at at a certain point in your life but everybody 
has that moment when they say, you know, is this stuff bullshit? <laughs> you know, and you do have the onus upon you to decide, am I going to stay in the comfort zone of what I've been taught and not make it any big deal? Just play along. Or will I, what, what I would call, or will I be a seeker and seekers find? And so if there is something that will confront good faith and bad faith, and I think it was Kierkegaard who talked about good faith and bad faith. That's the, the dividing line for me. Good faith or bad faith? Bad faith is God has a pink wig and he, uh, you know, rides a goat, whatever. <laughs> Good faith. I have a thing I teach and it's honey is the substance of bees not seen. Okay. Uh, honey is the substance of bees not seen. The evidence of. I can't remember now. Forget that one. But anyway, this is a thing I teach at my church. Yeah, and I can't remember it. If you find honey, you know there was bees. Honey is the substance the bees not seen. The substance of bees hoped for. The substance of bees hoped for. Let's say that people have talked about bees forever, but we've never seen one. Well, you go out to the wilderness, and if you find honey, you say honey is the evidence of bees not seen. Well, faith is the substance of things not seen. That's what it is. It's a substance, okay? But it's a good substance. It's evidence of some things that we hold as fact. Uh, so I understand talking to you three that what I would call substantive evidentiary facts are might be laughable to you. But that I do think there are um, reasonable evidences for the faith I possess. And I think that they, it is not bad faith. I think the faith I possess is a good faith. For instance, you look at the cosmos, you look at humans, you look at a baby being born, you look at a walnut tree, you don't see God. I look at it and I think that it's good faith based off evidence to say, I think there's a creator. I'm not going to say I'm right, you're wrong, you're going to hell. That's just our differences in how I've chosen faith. So that's all I mean by it. Now, if someone says to me, uh, this was created by aliens who all live on Mars, I just think it's a bad faith. So that it's just a difference of opinion. But I do think faith is a choice. Yeah. Just don't watch the History Channel then, because that's all the History Channel is, is ancient aliens. <laughs> really? Oh. There's Bigfoot the, in there. Locked yeah, Bigfoot, ancient. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's all I, I do want to throw in there, though. Uh, I'm familiar with those those verses about faith, but... Making an analogy to honey, I think, is is a flaw because honey right. is tangible. It's a physical object. Faith is not tangible and it's metaphysical. Yeah. And so when you substitute those words, it sounds really great because, you know, it, it it's almost I mean, I'm not saying you're being slippery, but it, there's almost a little trick there. I don't, I'm not saying, you know, because it, you pull it from this. uh the ether of wherever faith exists into something we're all very familiar with. And you're saying, Oh, the bees are unseen, but everyone knows what honey is. So now all of a sudden people are clicking and they're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. That makes total sense. But actually it doesn't make any sense really. Well, the reason I use it is because the, the Greek word in the, in the, in describing faith is faith is the substance 
of things not seen. Now you can yeah. say, well, that doesn't mean anything to yeah, me. Exactly. I'm not a metaphysician, but to me, it, it that means it's an actual thing. So while it might sound slippery to you, to me, I didn't just create the honey as a substance to just make it more tangible. That's what the scripture I trust says. Faith is a substance of things not seen. So that's why I use the analogy of the honey substance. I get that you don't agree with it, but uh, to me, it's not as slippery as it as it. Might. I should have said sticky, but yeah, <laughs> slippery. But uh, I wish. <laughs> uh, Dan will edit that in post. It'll sound a lot better. It'll yeah. Uh, I agree. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, let's see. So when I was when when I was on your show, uh, I said that faith and religion can do some great things. Um, what I failed to mention or didn't have a chance to say. What I usually follow that up with is that I have yet to see any verifiable good, which is provided by religion or faith, that cannot be found outside of religion or faith. Mm, yeah. What do you think of that? Is there – Absolutely true. And this is one of my criticisms about the modern faith is that ever so quickly, corporations are taking over what the what the church used to do. I mean, you're seeing a cause behind every single thing. The supermarkets are gathering money. And I'm telling the churches, you're going to become obsolete. They're going to say, you know, we're pouring a ton of money into you. And what are you doing that my job and the corporations aren't doing? So I think you- Paying settlements to pedophiles? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Right. So I think you make a great point there. However, Dan, what I think the churches should be teaching is how to love better. And so that is something you might not get in a corporate setting, but you should be able to get in in a church setting, if anything. Mm -hmm. And that's why I don't think our job as pastors is to build empires or to – it's not even to feed the poor. It is to teach people to love better and let them go feed the poor. And that's why the institutional side should be discarded now and let the corporations take over the good that can be done in the community. Hmm. Yeah. It's an interesting point. It is. Uh, let's see. Do, do you think it is God perfect? Yeah, I, I say he is absolute. He's light. There's no shadow in him. He is love. And in that is, is perfection. Absolutely. Yeah. So perfect, perfect in all ways that it, that it could be for him to be God. He's, as much he's as I perfect. feel like I'm going to be trapped now. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, and I, and I, and I'm honestly not trying to trap you, but it, it seems inconsistent to me. That a being that is perfect would have any needs at all, right? Yeah. So there would be, if a being is absolutely perfect, it basically would cease to exist from its own perfection mm, because it. it would have no, no needs, no wants, desires, nothing. There would be no creation. There would be no motivation to create in the first place because everything about that being is perfect mm. initially. Unless you, and defi- so, oh, oh, sorry. oh, no, no, that, that's fine. If you want to, if you want to, uh, jump in, but anything that that being does would be an, you know, anything, any act that being does, any creation it makes would be less than perfect, mm. which introduces disorder and chaos into its existence, which then makes its own existence lessened, right? And, and if it is perfect, then anything it created would lessen its, its own existence and its own happiness, for lack of a better word, because something that's perfect would be unconcerned whether, with whether it was happy or not. Right. But so 
if God is perfect, then what would be the point to anything that's going on in the universe? And why would God care? It seems to me that in his perfections, creation is part of it. That's part of the definition of perfection that you create. And in creating, you would make things fallible because they're not going to make them perfect. Because if you did, then we'd be automatons and puppets and then there'd be no need for progressing. Or So in making creations and giving creation free will, that fallibility in that, his perfection is amplified by the fact that he brings about that imperfection to perfection through his love. And so that is my answer to that. I think that, yes, he does extend himself creatively constantly. That is a form of his perfection. In those creations, they are fallible, but in his perfection of love, he brings all of it to the place where he is, which is light and love. But why well, – you, you said that part of being perfect necessitates creation. Yeah. I, 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 that doesn't seem to follow to me. How do, how do you get from there – from here to there with, with being perfect and then being perfect necessitates creating things? The only way I come up with that, uh, Dan, is by the fact that he's the creator and he creates. So I just take that and I say, to me, I believe he's a perfect God. He creates – what he creates is not perfect. So that's what we have. I don't know how, and I, and, and I can't prove that being a creator is part of perfection. I just have to make that jump and just say, that's what I think. Yeah. Well, that, that seems to me that this is, that this is one of the things. So we're getting into a little bit more of the traditional Christian arguments that, mm -hmm. that I would have with different people where, you know, when you get to a point where you can ask them something that they can think about logically rather than, you know, exploring that a little bit more, they just say, well, I, I, I believe that God is perfect and I know that things have been created. So now I've got to somehow shoehorn that in to fit my epistemology, right? Yeah. I have to, I have to make something that doesn't logically fit. I've got to cram it in there somehow. And, and I don't even necessarily have a great explanation for it, but mm -hmm. it's what I have to go with. And that, and you say you're not into dogma, but that does seem a very dogmatic view about something yeah. to say that. Yeah, I, you know, a perfect being logically wouldn't have to create anything. So, you know, with that knowledge in mind, with the fact, you know, coupled with the fact that we do see that things are, exist, I wouldn't say that they've necessarily been created, but things exist. And so uh, on a biblical view and, and a view of God as being the creator of all of these things, then you've got to just kind of somehow shove that in there and, and stuff it into your little box of, well, that fits, you know, that doesn't fit into my uh, view of everything. I know, I, you know, I, I believe that God is perfect, but I also know that there is creation. So how do I reconcile those? And I really can't. So I have to say, well, I really don't know how it works. But well, the but question, it, but I it have, is that that is the case. That's yeah. that's that's the key part of it is that I don't know how it works, but that's the, that is the way it works. Well, yeah, well, and, no, and I'm you, not saying yeah. that is the way it works. I'm saying for me, that's how it works. And the dogma part that I refuse is that I would never say someone else has to believe that. That's where I hate dogma. I have my yeah, own sure, dogma. Sure, sure. Yeah. But the question I have for you is, why do you extract creation out of a perfect beings? Uh, 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 ontology. What, what, what makes a create a perfect being not a creator? What, what, well, I guess there, it, so to me, I can, I can't imagine that there would ever be a perfect being or that if there were ever a perfect being, it would have to be only that being and it couldn't do anything else. But you're doing the same thing I'm doing. 
You're saying so. that in your mind, a perfect being would be a perfect being and would not do anything else. In my mind, a perfect being would create. But why? For the same well, reason that your perfect being wouldn't. I don't know. Well, no, I'm saying that if that if a if <laughs> that if a being is actually perfect, right? Yeah. And and is powerful enough to do just about whatever it wanted, it wouldn't have any wants. It wouldn't have any need to create anything. There would be no desires at all. It would be a perfect being. Yeah. His being is perfect, but is his desires for more imperfect or would that be a form of perfection? Yeah, it would be. It would be. It would be. Well, Well, I mean, if you, if you think everything, if you imagine it as completely maxed out in perfection, there are no deficits whatsoever, right? Because we're talking about perfection. It's hard to wrap human brains around infinity and perfection, all this, because we don't have any examples of it. But if it's maxed out perfection, there's no deficit in any area. Yeah. anywhere right yeah. so no desire so perhaps i need to change maxed he's, up. No. <laughs> he's not perfect he's not maxed out perfection he's limited perfection i will change on that right now no problem <laughs> awesome. right. yeah. we'll, we'll make you an atheist one day <laughs> actually that's a great lead into that big question we were all wondering why you stopped short oh yeah yeah because oh. you, you you'd started off the trail of from mormonism and 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 you got so close. You were like, "This Mormonism <laughs> oh, is bullshit." Oh, oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Religion is bullshit. I see. I see. Yeah. And and then rather than you know just going, well, it's all bullshit. The yeah. way Matt and I and and the vast majority of atheists I know have done, where they, you know, can take a step back and go, "Well, I was taught this, and then I learned about this, 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 and this from all of these other religions, and clearly those are also incorrect." And then I start looking into the Bible more. I start looking at theological beliefs, philosophy. And decide, well, really, religious belief in itself is kind of bullshit. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, what, what what Matt was getting to it and was the question that the three of us were kind of asking ourselves earlier is, how is it that some people can be very devout LDS people and or or religious people of any stripe and decide that that religion doesn't suit them, but then pick, you know, a Mormon adjacent thing to, to move to instead sure. of instead of chucking it all and going, well, it's all bullshit. Yeah. How how does one go from, well, this is bullshit to being adjacent to bullshit? Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a great question. And my answer uh, is this. I stopped short prior to leaving Mormonism. I became a nihilist. I became an atheist. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know if I believed it. And, and the result of that in my life, which is the only thing I can measure anything by, was deleterious. It was deleterious to my attitude toward my neighbors. I was getting in fistfights three or four times a day. The little, little, that's my wife. I, I was a rat bastard. Okay. <laughs> a I, real I, fucker. I mean. A real fucker. I can't. <laughs> she stayed with you. And she's, that's she's, love. She stayed with me. But just understand. You were fighting her, right? <laughs> there were a couple times. Oh, oh, there were no. a couple times. You know, I, I, nothing horrible. But I mean, look at, I was a womanizer who could not control his animalistic, uh, passions and I became completely godless prior to leaving mormonism okay when i had that roadside experience and people can dispute it mock it or whatever, but when i had it that changed me and so in that change i have stood ever since 
And it has not only just remained at that point, it has continued to grow to the point where now I don't hate Mormons that I came from, and now I don't hate evangelicals, and now I don't hate atheists. That love that was planted in me is the evidence for me personally as to why I I don't go the way of atheism. There's too much um, subjective evidence for me personally. And so by that, I live. Hmm. That's all I can say. Is your view of godless being godless free from morals? Because you equated no. it to when you were womanizing and fist fighting and all that, and you were, and you said you went totally godless. Well, for a Mormon, and you might know Matt that if you discount God out of things and Mormonism isn't true, then to me it was immoral. It was equated. But I am not saying godless people today are immoral. I'm just saying I was. Mm. When a Mormon, you know, realizes the church is false. God's false to screw sure, everybody. Yeah. Sure. That's all I meant. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I know one thing I hate and you two hate and you probably won't like it either. <laughs> it's when someone makes a reference going, well, if I was an atheist, I could just go kill whoever I wanted because <laughs> I don't have a God. <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, oh, you come on. Fucking yeah. asshole. That's not how this works. <laughs> then please keep going to church. Yes. Yes, <laughs> please. <laughs> and, and I have to say, Ryan, uh, that is why um, I do go. And that's why if someone criticizes me for my faith and might mock it, all I have to say to them is you just be fucking glad I found what I found <laughs> because you're insulting me right now. And in my former day, mm. I'd fucking take you out. <laughs> uh -huh. You see? So religion helps me yeah. like, uh, like, uh, like Prozac helps people. Uh -huh. I need it, but it does, it did work. But it hasn't limited me to their dogma. I've been mm -hmm. able to get beyond it, and the love has grown. I think that's a big point. I think religion does that for most people. Yeah. I mean, because, you know, I – and I I think for us, it's not that drug. It, for, so we're yeah. we're totally confused. You know, I, and, I, and I know I live right by a Mormon – of course, I'm in Orem. So I live right by a Mormon church, and there's also a pretty big Catholic church right on my street too. Mm -hmm. And every goddamn Sunday <laughs> – I can't even drive down my own road because they, they won't park in your own parking lots. You have them, use them. They park on the goddamn road so they can get out of there and run to the store and block my way on a seat. You're not supposed to be there on Sundays. Anyway, so I can't even. Well, they're in how, such a rush really to get out of church. They're like, yeah, I've got to be the first that's one That's what I'm gone. saying, yeah. I want to fucking hang but, out with these assholes. But my point is I drive by and I see everybody's there. And, and in my mind, I'm like, these are grown people. These are adults that are showing up on their own. They want to be here. I can't understand why they would want to be here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Must be like that. I mean, that's that's no. the only thing I can think that would be such a draw, right? I, th I is... think the draw for them is fear. I think the draw for them is oh, guilt. Sure, I think sure, the draw sure. for them is their wife want them to be a good priesthood holder. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. for me, Matt, it was not that. It was not church. Going to church never helped me. It was that thing that happened that helped me, which is why I don't think church is necessary. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's no, I don't thing. get, I don't get the feeling that you're a, you're a, a follow the trends, go with the, no. everyone else kind of guy. Yeah. <laughs> you're sort yeah. of a do what you want, dude. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Still. Yeah. So, so kind of along the lines of, of, you know, you saying you were a real fucker before and everything. <laughs> I, <laughs> How many? I think we revisit this five times. Uh, uh, we have a we have a listener question from Andrew Riding, um, and when I was on your show, you said that if and and you've you've mentioned it kind of here uh, tonight 
Uh, but you said that if God inserted himself by helping or saving people, he would be a despot and that the bad things that happen in the world, paraphrasing, may not be bad in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. He also said that God touches your heart when you may want to beat the crap out of someone. And, and I don't want to, you know, say something that may make you change your mind and, and, uh, you know, unleash the Hulk here in the studio. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> He's got the green but, mic. <laughs> but so, so you also said God touches your heart when you may want to beat the crap out of someone, which leads me to our first listener question uh, from Andrew that says, and it's not our first listener question. I had to reorder these later. <laughs> he was the first one to post a question. Right. Yeah. He was the first one to post it. Thank you. Uh, and he says that when you say God, when you say that God doesn't tell you what to do because that would ruin your free will, that it would make you a slave because you would be able, you wouldn't be able to oppose God. I totally get that, but I accept it as something believers think about free will. However, when you say that God tells you things in your heart, isn't that just slavery with more steps or is he not really communicating with you like that? I don't understand how you can have both. It's a great question. There's two responses I would give. First of all, it would be that what he communicates to your heart is not a you must. It's a, you know, this love. This is love, but you have the choice. He's, he's not, oh, he's not possessing you. You don't lose it and you just love because, and when Christians say that, I'm possessed by God's demon. Yeah. I just want to love everybody. He just made me, and I, <laughs> no, there's a choice, I believe, in, in, in that completely. Yeah. So that would be that. And then there was another thought I had, and I can't remember. I might be getting tired. Um, <laughs> yeah, I can't remember it. I'm sorry. We're wearing on you. <laughs> yeah. No, you're not. <laughs> uh, let's see. This has been really good, you guys. I've really enjoyed it. Oh, yeah. I have too. This has been awesome. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so if we don't know what good can come from things we perceive as bad or evil and can wave away any concerns about them because we don't, we may not know the big picture, what point is there to having any faith at all rather other than to placate us through difficult times? It seems like a circular argument. That if we, you know, if, if we can look around the world and see that there are evil, heinous things going on mm -hmm. and can kind of, you know, do a little dismissive hand waving to say, well, we just, you know, we don't have the full picture there. There may be some good that will come of this through God's, through God's plan. But then you could say that about anything, right? And mm -hmm. so it just seems like some hand waving circular logic again, like, I, you know, uh, this is what I believe, but this is what I see going on. And the two don't really mix. Mm -hmm. And so I've got to reconcile, I've got to reconcile those as a, as a Christian. And so I just say, well, in the grand scheme of things, this thing that I view as bad right now is probably an ultimate good. Right. Yeah. Rather than dropping the belief side and just going with what you see. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, it seems to me like, uh, when we, that any evil is reprehensible to God who is love. So a child being raped is not something we, a uh, Christian could ever be dismissive of and say, it was for your good, honey, and you're gonna, it's gonna be, work out fine. Do, you know, you just don't worry. I don't think that that's the Christian approach. But I do think that it's important that you help somebody who has been a victim of something heinous to say that this was, you know, of course, not your fault. God is not behind this. Uh, he loves you and he's here to help you through it. And in the end, uh, he will help you through it. And that's the best I can do. Uh, you know, I'm not big on saying, uh, God did that. God did this. God didn't do that. He saved this kid from getting hit by the car because there's kids who aren't safe from getting hit by the car. I can't ever get on that one. All I can say is he's there. 
just to try to help with the free will in mind. Yeah. I don't know if that was a sufficient answer, but he's kind of a therapist <laughs> God then. A therapist like, God. Sort of after the fact. He is an after the fact God. <laughs> he's an absentee manager because to be involved would be despotic and people just can't get that through their head when it comes to the discussion. People don't want to be well, micromanaged. It's, no. <laughs> yeah. It's hard. It is hard to get through your, my head because it's inconsistent with the rest of what people say about who, yeah. what God's abilities are. Uh huh. In my mind, uh, and sorry, I know we're trying to close up, wrap it up here, but, uh, you know, if he, and I know you've backed off some of his abilities, but, but, you know, if, if, if he wants to make people, right, let's, let's just take the standard Christian idea. He, he's Omnimax. Just make the people already done, right? Just make them already perfect. Let's forget the hell. Let's not make the people that are going to go to hell. Let's just not make them. Let's just not create those people, which you already know are going to go to hell. Let's just make all the people that are back and let's just make them all perfect already and we'll just throw our party right away. Do you really think that, Matt? I what? mean, do you really think that a good God would say, I'm just going to make the good people who I know are good or I will, I will make them good. I'm not going to make any bad or I'm not going to make people who I know will choose bad. That is making puppets. That is that is yeah, making a, 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 happy, a nation of robots. Puppets. Of course, it is delightfully happy puppets. But Deli but, <laughs> but but here's the but but he doesn't have he could do it that way, but he doesn't have to. He could also make them with the free will and the memories and the and the experience and everything. But just put it all in because he in, at least in your view, he already gave us free will, right? Yeah. So he could do it there too. Just make all the perfect people with the free will. Give them all the memories. They won't know the difference. Give them all the experience and just pop them right there in heaven. Forget the hell thing and throw your party. But then he made him that way. Yeah. Yeah. But he, if he's already made you, you're yeah. the way you are. Right. Yeah. So he, he's, but he's given me options the whole time. And that's, that's where I step back from what you're describing. And it's evidenced in that what you might think is a mythical story of the garden. The reason the tree was there was, was simply for them to say, we're going to show you we love you and we're not going to eat it. That's all it was. Yeah, but he could he could take those beings all the way to the end, but right? What, but then the beings would never have done it themselves. They never would grow. They never would choose to love him. Yeah, cuz you you just add that in. Yeah, but then you're making computers. It's no different. <laughs> it is different. No, it isn't. It's well, no you different. You might be smarter than me on <laughs> no, this. No, because because he he knows he knows right when he creates Adam what's going to happen. He knows Adam's going to end but up But he didn't being... cause it to happen. Yes, he does. No, he doesn't cause it. Did he create Adam? He created Adam. Did he Adam. give him his free will? He gave him his did free will. Did he create the world? Did he, he create did. all the situations around it? He, all the situations? No. Oh, no. Oh, who did that then? We did. Well, I guess the, the, well, the, the question we with Adam is, when Adam did that. Okay, so you're one can, step Can I break in with one question? one step back. We created all the situations based on what God already set up so it's still god's doing well it's just one he, step away it's one step away but that one step's a big step i mean when he sets it it's up it's still god's step though i mean i, I know you're, you're saying it's it's based on the way the way we move throughout the world but yeah. that's all still known to god and it that's is all still created by what he set up in the very beginning before he ever set adam on but his knowing does not make us do his knowing does not no, make us do. No, it it doesn't make us do it, but he already knows the result. So sure. he could just build it as it should be. Right. But as there's it will something be. in human beings created in his image to make the choice. There's something in that. He could put that in the end, end result. And then you have robots. 
Well, you have robots now. No, you don't. Well, the Mormon <laughs> church is kind of robots. I would agree okay, with that, that. Okay, okay. <laughs> okay, okay, go can, ahead. Can Ryan. I ask my yeah, question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, did did Adam have knowledge of evil? You know what? That's a great question. Um, before they took the fruit, there was no fall, right? There's no fall. So there was, that's why I'm, that's why I, you know where I'm going with it, obviously. Yeah. So of course they, in fact, they did evil before they fell. So that, that, the need for Satan was, is, is really overestimated here. Eve and Adam fell before they fell. Well, I guess my question is without the knowledge of evil or doing bad, how could they have known the outcome of what they were going to do? They didn't know the outcome. I don't think they knew the outcome. They were told the outcome. So how can they be punished if they don't know they're doing bad? They they were punished for not choosing to listen to the father. They okay. were punished for that. Well, but, but they didn't know the yet. outcome. They were told the outcome. They didn't understand it, I guess. Mm. you know. Well, but that, that goes back to God being a despot then, right? Because he said, don't do this. Yes. Because if you do this, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to create the garden. I'm going to create the snake. I'm going to create the apple tree. I'm going to create the apple. And I'm going to tell you not to do it, knowing that you're going to do it. And then I'm going to be really fucking mad at you when you do the he thing that I knew you were going to fucking do. He wasn't really fucking mad at him. <laughs> that is not Genesis 3, 7. <laughs> and he was really fucking mad at them. <laughs> yeah, no, he, he gave it, he gave us a nice punishment of every single rest of the humans falling for it. Yeah. Yeah. A nice kind yeah, Everybody else is punished but, for but something you're, that somebody did that they had no idea what the but your Adam and Eve thing is a perfect microcosm for what we were talking about earlier. That whole Garden of Eden situation, he's going to put the snake there. He's going to put, you know, just like he did with the entire world. Mm -hmm. He's going to put all these pitfalls and everything. And then there's, you know, penalties and uh, a party over here or whatever. So he knew what they were going to do right from the beginning before sure. they were ever there. That's yeah. the same thing with all this. Anyways, he could have just done it, get away with the hell. It's all, it's all. And maybe where you and I do is I just think there, I trust that there was something and you can say, this is me falling back into some place. Cause I can't defend it. There was something in the purpose of, of him, of us going through it. I think there has to be something in the purpose of us going well, through uh, it. Well, you have to, right? right? I mean, of course. Yes. To, I have to, 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 <laughs> right. to have, to Don't, hold the beliefs you do. Yeah. Yeah. You, you have to believe. Right. It. Yeah. yeah. Can I ask you, yep. what is the purpose for you being born and going through it, having constipation and, and hitting your hand with a hammer? And like, it, what is the ultimate purpose? Yeah, I, I don't think there is one. No I think, purpose? No, I don't, I don't think, I, I think the purpose that, that I live my life with is the purpose that I create. And it's to, to live my life fully and happily and to make other people fulfilled and happy while I'm here. I mean, I'm, I, I know, or, well, I don't know, but I don't believe that I'm going to have any life after this mm -hmm. one. So I make the most of the one life that I do believe I have. And I try to make myself and other people as happy as possible because that's when I feel good. It's a, it's a totally, uh, selfish thing that I do. I'm, I'm selfishly happy and selfishly try to make other people happy because yeah. that makes me happy in return. I see. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. It's, it's that, and I admit it's a totally selfish thing, but it feels good. So mm -hmm. I dig it. And other people seem to dig it. So, well, I tend to believe we don't do anything but for selfish reasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think there's any. I don't think there's any true altruistic no. act. Yeah, because yeah. when you do something good, it feels good to you, and sure, that's right. a selfish reason for doing it. You right. do it because you want to feel that goodness that you get from it. Right. So, I think everyone is innately selfish for I, all of our actions that we do. I just, I do want to add though that I think even, even if the even if the primary reason in every case, which I don't think it is, but even if it was that feeling you got from giving, 
I still think people enjoy the the joy that the people get from receiving oh, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. I think they're mm-hmm. both there. And I think in different capacities, I think sometimes in certain situations, your primary goal is t- the joy of that person. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's, that's more like, you know, with kid, you know, your own children mm-hmm. kind of, I think f- largely, and this is a big difference from uh, what I would have said a year or two ago, but <laughs> I have a new little guy. Uh, <laughs> I have a I have a 17 year old and a and a 10 month old. <laughs> you poor man. <laughs> yeah. No, it's fun. I, yeah, it's, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think those kinds of actions are more. What are we even talking about? Let's. Uh... Well, I have, I have. So one of my favorite subjects and topics to talk about is hell, and I don't know if, the, if this might set us off on a whole other road, but. You you told me during your show that hell doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Did did hell exist at one yeah. time? Yeah, but it, it's, I mean, really, truly, scripturally speaking, and any scholar would agree, it was called Sheol. It was called the covering place. It was the hidden place, and there was a paradise, and there was a prison part, and the the prison part's dark and ugly, and the people who are disobedient to God went there, and the people who are obedient to God went to the paradise part, but all was separated from God. It's not the fiery, burning, Augustine, hell that he said all that, made it up. That was Sheol. The Jews believed in it, taught it. And that was a actual place that when Christ came, died, returned, that was done away with. That whole thing emptied out. Yeah. So the people that were in hell. Yeah. Where where did they go? They went before the great white throne judgment and they were judged according to their works. And uh, there were those who entered into his paradise because of their labors of goodness. And there were those who went into what's called the lake of fire. Now that's what people get the fire thing mixed up with hell, the lake of fire. But the lake of fire is simply, it says in revelation 21, that it's in the presence of God and his angels and Jesus is there. So, and they're just watching everybody. Yeah. Else. Just screaming and yelling. And, <laughs> but the lake of fire was made for Satan and his angels, not for human beings. And they made it. So it, the, the words in so, the Greek are bad sidzo. There's a rubbing off of their recalcitrance, their rebellion. They went before God. They were rebellious. That is done away with too. The lake of fire is over for humans. All of that stuff completed. So <clears throat> did it. Who who made the lake of fire and Satan and all of that? Well, the story is God made uh, Satan and he fell. Yeah. So now the the question about evil in this day, people say, well, if there's no Satan, Sean, Christians, why is there all this evil? And I think that Satan was influenced by darkness. He wasn't the author of darkness. He was a he was a tool, and so there's always been evil, and there's always been darkness, and there's always been light. It's this this eternal Star Wars battle, and uh, <laughs> and so darkness will always prevail where light is. You know why? Why doesn't God show Himself to people these days? At, like he did in you know biblical tales. Yeah. Why why does he not appear? Why why aren't there burning bushes? Why aren't there verifiable miracles happening here on earth anymore? That you know with in the age of cell phones and and videography and and being able to record anything anywhere in the world now. Why is it that we don't see any of these things happening? Well, you know, I personally teach this. The other Christians don't agree, but I think that the uh, giving people sight like Jesus was doing. One, in that day, there was no medical, real medical services. He was known, he was pr- prophesied to 
do miracles so people would know he was the Messiah, so he's doing them, right? Today, uh, I think the real miracle above all is can you change a human's heart? And that's the real miracle going on with God in the world. It is not uh, what the charlatans are claiming that, the, you know, they're healing people and slapping them on the head and all that junk. Uh, I think it was for that day and age prophesied for them to use to know who he was. They believed in him. And I think that has faded from view. People say, can they still happen? I guess. I don't know, but I don't see them. Uh, I think the miracles are when someone's heart changes and they become uh, loving and that, you know, you, you just can't get in there and do that to somebody. That has to happen to me in a, in a metaphysical sense. Hmm. Yeah. Well, you've been a great sport, Sean. It, it's been, <laughs> it's a real been really fun. <laughs> Endurance yeah. right I, here. I could have you I, I could sit here and talk to you about this shit for the next several hours and I still have a ton more questions. We'll do so. it again. Okay. Yeah. I would love to have you back yeah. on the show sometime. I would love to do it. But I want to thank you ever so much for, for coming out here and, and thank yes. your lovely wife for being here Thanks as well. Thanks guys. Thanks for the throwing the stuff, the some of the harder stuff and uh you know, uh, uh, good to meet all of you yeah, and, yeah. and look forward to doing it again. Yeah. This was awesome. Was a really Thank you fun so much. Discussion. Thank you. Thank you. This is Matt Dillahoney, and you're listening to The Godless Revolution. So I changed my theology a thousand times. I mean, by the time I – but the, the last God I believed in, Seth, was the greatest God in the world. He was so wonderful. <laughs> he agreed with everything I cared about. He was so nice. He wasn't sending anybody to hell. He wasn't responsible for any evil thing. And the problem is, is that like I was in love with that God until I realized, of course, like if God and you agree that much, it's maybe because you invented him. If you have questions, comments, concerns, compliments, corrections, criticisms, or concepts for content, contact the show via email at godlessrevolution at gmail.com, by text or voicemail at 330-81-REBEL, or Twitter the twatter at TGR Podcast. Thank you! Lars Matank was a worker at the Wilhelmshaven power station in a small coastal town in Lower Saxony in northwest Germany. Lars was on vacation with four friends at Golden Sands, a seaside resort on the coast of Black Sea in Bulgaria, a popular and relatively low-cost holiday destination for those in nearby European countries who want to take a break and soak up the sun. They arrived at their destination on the 30th of June 2014 after a two-hour plane ride and checked into their hotel, the Hotel Viva Club, which is all-inclusive with food and drinks provided. The place is described as a sort of party resort popular amongst Germans. Think Ibiza. On July 6th, the trip was disturbed by an altercation between the group of German tourists and a group of locals when they had a dispute over football at the local bar named the Rock Bar. Lars went missing later that night when he was waiting for his friends to purchase food from a nearby McDonald's fast food restaurant on the way back to the hotel. His friends looked for him to no avail and eventually decided to go back to the hotel expecting him to be there. He was not. But he returned the next morning claiming to have been accosted by a group of men that he believed were sent for him by the group they had the altercation with earlier in the night. He claimed that the group had hired a bunch of either locals or Russians to rough him up. Apparently his friends weren't convinced by the story but let it go. Lars walked away from the beating with a ruptured eardrum and injured jaw. But where exactly was Lars Matank between waiting outside of McDonald's for his friends to order and returning to the hotel in the morning? Was he unconscious? If so, for how long? 
Reports state that the ruptured eardrum was an injury that wouldn't allow him to fly back to Germany on schedule with his friends. Although they wanted to stay with him until he was fit to fly, Lars insisted that he was fine and they would find and that he would find a hotel and stay until he was well enough to return home. On July 7th, his friends left the hotel in one taxi and he left in another in search of medical attention. After refusing surgery, which the local doctor insisted Matank needed, he was instead prescribed antibiotics. The antibiotics were prescribed by a doctor, Boris Nudgdenow, and Matank obtained the medication from a local pharmacy. He walked around the local area looking for a new place to stay and eventually decided on a place named the Hotel Color in Varna which costs around $25 a night and is reviewed as average on TripAdvisor. One user comments that the hotel is just a 15-minute walk from the bus stop, and another describes it as a family, friend, friendly family-run hotel. Some complained about the outdated interior and stained sheets. The following day, Lars started acting strangely. At 10 minutes to midnight, Lars called his mother using his cell phone and told her that he felt scared. He asked her if she would contact his bank and freeze his credit card. He also called her again at 3 a.m. and told her in a low whisper that he was hiding from a group of men who had been following him. Lars had left the hotel with his things in the middle of the night, the staff said. He texted his mother asking her what CFC 500 was. CFC 500 is the abbreviation for the antibiotics he'd been prescribed earlier for his ruptured eardrum. At 6 a.m., Lars was dropped off at the airport in a taxi. He'd apparently shared the cab with another passenger after waving it down the street. They supposedly described him as having midriasis. Although most people's first thought when they hear someone has large or dilated pupils is drug use, mydriasis can also be caused by trauma, including head injuries, although the trauma usually has to be quite severe. Once at the airport, he called his mother, who booked him a flight home, and advised him to drop in on the airport doctor before boarding. He still believed that the group of men were chasing him and would refuse to let him leave Bulgaria by bus or plane. Who are these four men? Do do they actually exist? Lars managed to locate the airport doctor who examined him and would later describe him as being emotionally depleted. The examination was momentarily disturbed by an airport employee who wanted to chat to the doctor about doing some work on her office. This sent Lars off, and he jumped up, fleeing the airport. Eventually, he he found his way out, and witnesses say he managed to climb over a fence and jump into a field on the other side. The barbed wire wrapped around the top of the fence did little to prevent his escape. No one would ever see Lars Matank again.
I'm Bryce Barkenagle. Have you ever wondered if Joseph Smith was drugging the early Mormons? Turns out it might be possible when you have a fantastic congregation that is witnessing angels floating around in the rafters and think that the temple is on fire and they're running out in the snow and writhing around on the ground naked. Yeah, as it turns out, drugs might be the best explanation. Be sure to check out my Sunstone Symposium presentation on the Joseph Smith Entheogen Theory by punching that into any YouTube browser. And thank you so much for checking that out, and be sure to check out the Naked Mormonism podcast. This is The Godless Revolution. You know, my journey through Christianity was the journey of slowly dialing down the supernatural, slowly dialing down the crazy until there was nothing left. Thank you to everybody who has rated the show on iTunes and Stitcher and are following us on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. And to all our Patreon patrons, you make the show possible. I had a really good time talking to Sean. I think that was a lot of fun. Yeah, and uh, it wasn't on air, but he said he would like to come back again, and I think we definitely should have him back again sometime. Yeah, yeah. I'd I be sh- down for that. I should clarify early, very at, right at the top of the show, Ryan jumped in and started saying stuff, and I said, speak for yourself about certain things or whatever. I don't want everyone to think that I'm like pro-organized religion, but <laughs> I'm not like... If 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 you want to believe like what Sean believes and you guys want to get together and talk about it and you're not trying to pass laws and you're not, you know, hurting anybody, I don't care. Yeah, I think that's yeah. fine. Get together and do your thing. And, you know, we get together every week and do this thing. It's some somewhat organized. Um, so I don't have a problem with that. Uh, but there's still a couple of different beliefs and stuff that are in there that I think would be better off without. But oh, for sure. You know, yeah. Well, I think um, I think I, I preface not, it with you know, I, I assume you guys would agree with me, but I don't know if I did or not. What on those contexts of saying we don't like organized religions as much as saying, yeah. Oh no, well I right. I've I've just I've said that for years. I, yeah. I in fact I said it during a show that you know yeah. I don't give a fuck what people believe in their own homes, right. churches, right. synagogues, temples, mosques, whatever. As long as whatever they're believing and doing doesn't harm them or other people yeah like have fun go nuts with it like if it if it makes you happy provides fulfillment whatever i don't give a fuck yeah i guess for the organized side of it to me it's the organized side the teacher that's giving out bad information and making people do bad things because of what their Mm -hmm. organization is telling them Mm -hmm. is where i have yeah it's the dogma and that's my big that's my big problem is dogma yeah my my problem is dogma and and even i can you know i can hang with dogma to a point as long as they're not forcing that on other people or trying yeah. to push that on other people. Like how I referenced the dogma of the LDS church and uh, how homophobic they are. But the reason the reason why I I fight against dogma is because it's a, it's a flawed thinking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But even then, like, people believe all kinds of stupid shit all mm-hmm. the time. And, and as long, like, like I say, as long as it doesn't harm them or anybody else, that's fine. But there is that nagging concern of, okay, well, you are credulous about these various beliefs that you have and we can easily see how those would lead you to believing in other harmful things yeah right yeah you know like what's the harm in believing in ghosts and psychics and whatever other bullshit well people get scammed all the time Mm -hmm. people get hurt all the time from those types of beliefs that those those beliefs are usually stacked on other beliefs generally stemming from a religious or metaphysical belief in something that they have no proof for and so when they're presented with something that seems illogical and impossible and supernatural they credulously believe it as oh well yes 
that fits into all of these other beliefs that I have right. or on top yeah. of all of these these, harm, these, these harmless dogmas that right. I had. Right. Now you're adding harmful do- yeah. stuff on top yeah. of it because the thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, speaking yeah. of psychics, I can't believe fucking police forces will hire a psychic to investigate a fucking case. I do know. they still do that? I don't know if they still do it. I know they used to do it in the past. Yeah. All it does is lend credibility to something that has zero credibility in my oh, opinion. Yeah. yeah I, I don't know. Well, I'm guessing that there are probably police departments around that may still do that. I haven't heard of anybody doing that for a while. I think like the last one I heard about was sometime in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sure it still happens, but yeah, that, that kind of stuff is, is harmful and bullshit. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I like Sean. I think he's a, I think he's a really nice guy. Yeah. Oh, and he is. Yeah. And I think it's great that he's very open and airy fairy about a lot of the things that he believes and isn't really locked down into anything and is willing to say that he doesn't know and that yeah. he may be wrong. And I can't remember exactly what point it was that he said, okay, well, yeah, I'll, I'll change my mind on that. Uh, it was about uh, uh, Omni maxing. Yeah. Uh, was something about all powerful maybe, or not, not, or, a, not or to a hundred percent, but that's why I said like a 98. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know he's a guy that's impossible not to like, and you know he's got a lot of good charisma, and he's a sharp guy, and it was that was a good discussion. It was a lot yeah. of fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I enjoyed it very much. Uh, hopefully, the you all out there listening land appreciated it as well. Yeah, let us know if you liked us to have him come back on and discuss more yeah. stuff with us. Yeah, and I liked Matt's scare story. Yeah, the scare story. Uh. Did you like the Skrr story, Ron? More of a sad story. It was quite sad. You thought it was sad. I thought it was sad. (laughs) Like, no one, he didn't get to say goodbye to his mom or he just disappeared. Also, I'm a a shitty reader, so that doesn't help. This time, though. Last time was better, I think, but. Like, I'm just thinking of all those cuts he had on when he was laying in the field and nobody found him. That's mm-hmm. very sad. Yeah. Makes makes Ron a sad panda. Yeah, Ron is very sad panda. <laughs> Old flannel Ron. <laughs> I, I like my flannel. When, yeah, when nice. Sean called you Ron a couple times, yeah. at first I thought, oh, he's just playing along. And then I was like, oh, no, maybe he, he thinks really my name is Ron. his name is Ron. So <laughs> yeah. I'm glad that you, that you, Matt, stopped and was like, I just want to make sure you know. <laughs> and I'm like, ah, just roll with it. <laughs> uh, but that'll wrap it up for the regular portion of the show this evening. We're going to move into our Patreon portion. Patreon! Woohoo! Don't Patreon off. Next week, we'll have another scary story and cover some more newsy things. Yeah. Before we go, I want to make sure that we thank our Patreon subscribers. That would be Alan Firth. Numania. Christy Kulbuck. Gatheist. Larry Wilson. Stephen Andrews. Let them eat kavfafa. Tvafafi. Fethel. Two skeptical chaps. Michelle Short. Vanessa Freethinker215 The Utah Outcast Janet Uter Marius Scott Putrakowski Wes Aaron Andrew Vodopich Taylor Grin Angelica <laughs> Jeremy Goodson Brandy Hamrick Megan Kennedy Fawz Jeff Peterson Jesse Pointer. Savid Akuna. And the purr, 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 purr. Dry gag, 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 gag. <laughs> That didn't work as well as I thought it yes. was in my head. <laughs> it, was, it wasn't terrible. Uh, we have read these out. names so many times, and uh, I'm super grateful. It's just that trying to do it differently now, I think, because yeah. 
I, I did two whispers. I apologize. I couldn't think of anything to spot. You're so unoriginal. I know. Way to go, Ron. Fucking Ron. Fucking <laughs> up everything. <laughs> uh, thank you all for listening. And so until next week, crucified Dallin H. Oaks. Leave a review to achieve. Just achieve anything. Just achieve. That's it. <laughs> and run the show five times a day toward Mecca. <laughs> did you did you want music for this or anything? Oh fuck. Lars Matank was a worker at the Wilhelm's. I messed up already. <laughs> Sorry. No problem. And I said it right. I just stopped saying it. <laughs> like, like, Wilhelm sound right? That's Germany. Lars Matank was a worker at the Wilhelm Shaven. <laughs> Wilhelm's Haven. <laughs> well, and it's Wilhelm's Haven, and it's all one word, so it yeah. looks like Wilhelm Shaven. Shaven. Yeah. <laughs> Wilhelm's Shaven. This is a really spooky story, you guys. <laughs> uh, it's actually I'm not scared. spooky. It's just like sad and creepy and weird. Okay. Although there was no violence inside the bar at the time, Lars went missing later that night. When he was... <sighs> God damn it, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. Think of Biza. On July 6th, the trip was disturbed by an altercation between the two... The two women. It doesn't even football. say two. The three women who are watching football. It doesn't even say two. <laughs> We've well, gotten past the shaven part. Yeah. <laughs> Was he unconscious? If so, for how long? There are conflicting reports on the severity of the ear injury. Some reports say that he was not actually okay to fly. But, oh my god. <laughs> hey Dan. Yeah, I'm way over here. I'm over I'm way over here, Ryan. Yeah, I think Matt fucked up again. Oh man. Yeah. Well, okay, I'll start this stuff over again. Sorry. Okay. I thought I would give you like one sentence, but I was already in the middle of it by the yeah. time I motioned. So, damn it, I keep fucking up words. <laughs> Are we recording? Are we recording? Is it reverbing? Is it? Does it sound godly? Verbabing? Is it recording the verbabin? Is it verbabin? Verboten verbabin. If better verboten the verburden. Like whiskey, you should try our verbourbon. Verbourbon. Verbourbon verboten balatin. Babiba babad. Badinua. We're gonna start speaking in tongues. But if you talk a little softer with it, it makes your voice seem a little more mysterious. <laughs> Fucked up. Makes me kind of. I'd like to welcome you all here today, <laughs> brothers and sisters. And we can for a little chat about Jesus's. I'll try to read this stupid damn thing. We're just gonna be in the shadows over on this side of the room. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Watch out for the Russian sleep experiment, guys. Okay. You cool over there, bro? <laughs>